Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 3, Episode 20. This is the show where we talk about The Mandalorian. It's Mandalorian all the time. <laughs> now that we've all caught up, we can talk about Mandalorians. Forget about that stupid Star Trek stuff. Welcome to Mandalorian Cast. <laughs> Mandalorian, Mandocast. This is the way. All right, so now Jaime knows what we, what we mean when we say that. Um, yeah, anyway, no, it's actually, folks, yeah, you haven't stumbled into the wrong podcast. This is, in fact, the, the show where we talk about Star, all things Star Trek. Well, things Star Trek and, and others. This is uh, Stardate and... Nine eight five six two mark seven four my name is timitra and i am on the starship toronto and i'm joined once again by jonathan kuline on the starship mississauga hello there and we're also joined by jaime lopez jr on the ncc seattle <laughs> how's it going <laughs> not too bad all righty so yeah, let's start digging with some fact check well speaking of christmas which is just around the corner um we were talking about Die Hard last week as a christmas show and jonathan postulated that he thought it wasn't released actually at christmas time and he was correct <laughs> it was released on july 20th 1988 which is i don't know a lot, of, a lot of years ago. And uh, I was teasing these guys. I knew, in fact, who the last last person to walk on the moon was. I was just, you know, seeing if they knew. Uh, commander of the Apollo 17 mission, which was the last mission, Gene Cernan was the, was the I guess he was the 11th man to work on, walk on the moon, but he was also the last man to walk on the moon. Yeah, he, that's the confusing thing, because it said in the article that he was not the last person, but he was. He wasn't the last person to, in to, history, to, to but he was the last the, person the chronologically. Moon, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, weird yeah. distinction. So I guess he walked on the moon as the eleventh, and then Schmidt walked on the moon as the twelfth. But then he was the last person to walk on the moon, and apparently wrote his initials as he left. Yeah, and and um, uh, Schmidt was the first non-army, navy, military, test flighty kind of guy. He was actually a geologist, and uh, yeah, he worked for NASA, right? Yeah, well, they, they all worked for NASA. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, he, like he, he was, was hired by NASA, not out of the military. Yeah, 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 and he was he. They brought him on because. They, they realized that they needed to, to study more. He got his professor to come and teach the astronauts about geography, and which is why, you know, when you when you see them, when you watch the films of them getting excited about finding orange soil, they're like, oh, look, orange soil over here. Because they're walking around on a big cigarette tr- or uh, ashtray, right? The whole mm-hmm. place is like completely, like, looks like somebody butted out all their cigarettes, right? Yeah, it's powder. Uh, right? Yeah, but but they did find, you know, and, and of course, orange soil is indication of, of um, iron and oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. So, or water and that kind of stuff so they got really excited about the different kinds of rocks that are on the moon and essentially the moon is made from earth right it's the i forget what we call the word term but it, it kind of when earth was molten it kind of spun off on its own 
own thing. And so it, you know, wouldn't be surprised if uh, if everything they found on the moon is, is similar to what it, it makes up the geology of Earth anyway. Alrighty. And then Jonathan, you got some fact checky stuff. Yeah, I got a couple of uh, things here. We were talking about the James Bond movies and the fact that uh, some of them are making their way onto streaming services, including uh, YouTube and Crave here in Canada. And uh, Tim, I think you had mentioned at one point 19 movies. And in fact, yeah, there are 24. The headline, yeah. Yes, and there's actually 25 is the one. No Time to Die is going to be our 25th Bond flick. So I wonder if that means that it's, it's everything but the Daniel Craig series. I'm just going back to that article, see if we can find it here. Yeah. That was last week or two weeks ago? No, that was last week. And the other piece of information I got is we were discussing the episode last week where there was this very uh, theatrical performance of the rise of Emperor Georgiou in uh, Terra Firma Part 1. And there was a performance that included these performers rolling themselves up and down using these sort of silk banners. And we weren't sure if there was a term for that. So I, I did look it up and it's actually called aerial silk. And aerial silk is this uh, sort of form of performance where with either one or two pieces of this very long silk descending from the ceiling, people roll themselves up and down and use it um, in sort of a gymnastics artistry. Um, it, it's interesting having now looked into it, just sort of the, the how, how it's done. Yeah, in the, it has a name. What do you know? Um, and, and just to follow up on the real time follow up on the James Bond story, it, the, the headline is the first 19 movies. There you go. Or yeah, so it's obviously not the Daniel Craig series, right? Yeah. So yeah, because he did what four, five. He's done four so far. I wonder right. if they're also omitting um, the Never Say Never Again, the Connery one that's not official. Oh, they don't count that as a Bond movie though. Don't yeah, they? yeah. They? No, I don't think they yeah. do. No, but they also don't count the uh, original. Um, Casino Royale, either. Which is the... That's a comedy one? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. With David Nimmin as James Bond, right? Correct. And Woody Allen as uh, Blofeld? Yep. Or whatever? Yep. Yeah. All righty. Um, yeah. So headlines. Do, 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 Headlines. Um, <laughs> this is a kind of sad story. Uh, and this is fitting with the whole Star Star Wars uh, universe. Um, Jeremy Bullock, who was the first uh, original Boba Fett actor, has died at 75 years old. So um, I picked that up from Mike, actually, on Facebook. But um, Yeah, I saw it after uh, as well and was going to paste it in and saw that you had uh, beat me to the punch at... Um, oh. Man, it um yeah, it's just it's been continuing a bad year for for these uh, actors in this franchise. We we seem to have yeah. lost a bunch of them, which is really um really sad. Um, obviously he we never saw his face. He was simply uh, the man behind yeah. the mask. Yeah, um, which is actually how he he uh, branded himself. He used to go to all the the sci-fi conventions and stuff like that. They would do the the men behind the mask, where it would be him and David Prowse and and the actors who were all wearing the alien masks and oh, stuff and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but he was much. Uh, he, you know, he he definitely made the most of his moment in the sunshine because he definitely was a presence at those shows, and people were, you know, uh, always excited to meet, you know, the man behind this iconic character. Right, right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Sir, you thank you, thank you for your performance. He was very uh, menacing in his his way, in the same way that David Prowse was. Very sort of cool. You know, just very simple things, just sort of nod of the head and body motion. Did he even and speak? Stuff. Did he even have speaking? 
speaking line? I, so Boba Fett does speak in Empire Strikes Back, um, but I don't know. And all he, I think all he does is in in uh, Return of the Jedi, is scream as he falls into the Starlock pit. But oh, yeah. I don't know if that was actually Jeremy Bullock's voice or if he was dubbed over for that. Mm. All right, I'm in. You're up. Uh, very briefly here. Uh, apparently, in 2022, we will be graced by the fine folks at Netflix with a 3D animated Sonic the Hedgehog TV show. This is presumably okay. fully 3D animated as opposed to the mixture of CG animation and live action from the Sonic movie. Was there like a guy in a little blue suit running around in that one? I actually haven't seen the making of, so I don't know what oh. sort of, you know, uh, thing or person they might have had, uh, <laughs> you know, as a stand-in. I'm not sure. Also remains to be seen which of the two Sonic the Hedgehogs we're going to see, right? <laughs> Is it the, <laughs> the scary one? one or the oh, you know, man, just that, in time for Halloween? Yeah, that, that'd be pretty, pretty classic if they were to intentionally do that and then be like, <laughs> oh, sorry, glitch, and then it repairs itself, you know, loading, loading, loading. Oh, okay, look, it looks better right. when it's in full right. HD. Well, maybe after he falls into the, the, the vat of makeup goo like Joker does, right? He'll turn into the evil. Right. Character. But maybe when they do the uh, Mirror Universe episode of, of Sonic, that'll be his mirror. He'll be like, what's wrong with the mirror? It's a funhouse mirror. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, look at this. More news from Wonder Woman. I think this is the Wonder Woman show, it seems like. Yeah. The, last the ongoing weeks. saga. Well, listen, I think this is a great one. So uh, this, folks, is a Spock cast gets action uh, uh, story here. So when, when I used to work at, at uh, the newspaper, we used to take, we, our editor-in-chief. The, the Toronto Star, for those of you following at home. Yeah. Um, we used to get orders from our boss, who used to say, when, you know, we would put a, this is a star exclusive over top of a story, and then if something happened as a result of that story, then the follow-up story would say, the star gets action. And I right. always thought that was a little <laughs> self-serving, but here we are, and I'm going to say Spock Kiss gets action, because we have been talking about how ridiculous it is the fact that Wonder Woman 1984 is or was originally announced that it was going to be coming to HBO Max in the United States, and also being released in theaters, where in Canada it was only going to be coming to theaters, and we talked about how nonsensical that was, because people can obviously in this day and age use any kinds of technology to, uh, to find this online and lo and behold this week we got the news they have announced that wonder woman 1984 is coming to streaming in canada on christmas day so hallelujah and uh, for, for money though yes so it is going to be a cost it is listed at 29.99 canadian so that's what like eight bucks us um <laughs> 50 bucks 50 cents <laughs> yeah and uh the only thing that this story is not clear on and, and i've checked to see if there's been any updates this week it doesn't say how it says it's coming to streaming on christmas day oh and the cost is gonna be 29.99 it does not say how right so the obvious options would be coming to itunes or to on demand through uh cable services like rogers on demand or um, any of those you know with your local cable companies often have on demand services so perhaps it's a purchase through there apparently when you purchase it for 29.99 it is yours to watch as many times as you like in a 48 hour period so good news on that front uh the bad news is you won't get your real money's worth because unless you have a big house full of people that you happen to live with you're not allowed to go anywhere or see anybody so you you're confined to really only doing it for yourself or yourself and like the people that 
live in your immediate home. Right, right. Mm. But still, I'm glad that this is at least moving forward. It was a real, especially given that we had moved into a lockdown back here in uh, this area of Canada. It was a bit of a slap in the face where they're like, yeah, you have to go see it in a theater, but don't leave your area. And all the theaters are closed. Well, and at the risk of losing like, you know, three quarters of our Canadian audience, or sorry, not even that much, I guess, if you do the math. Um, Toronto is like the in lockdown and, and it's the biggest populated center in Canada, right? So it's a huge market to sort of lock out by the... I mean, the only way we see movies now is by a few drive-ins where you drive your car up and, you know, watch movies. It's been, I mean, Tenant was sold, shown that way a few weeks ago, sold out immediately, you know, a few other things like that. But yeah, unless, you, unless you're really sitting in your car in the minus 60 degrees temperature celsius yeah with the snow blowing across your windshield yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, no not a, when the uh, drive-in loses its luster a little bit when you can't see the screen for the snow right right and you have to keep the car running and yep yeah but it uh it is a it's a strange one too because again they were saying well it's available in theaters but like all the theaters in the densest portions of the greater toronto area are shut down because of the lockdown related to covid19 right yeah so you're not supposed to do that you could go to an an outlying region to go see it but they are encouraging you not to leave your current region because they don't want it to spread so it really did paint us into a corner so anyway. well, there will be more follow-up on movies and stuff like that later i'm sure yes with respect to covid yes no doubt no doubt speaking of which uh jaime had mentioned last week that there was some blowback about the decision to go to uh hbo max with all these different things christopher nolan was i think the one who who uh lost it about the idea of of going away from the theatrical and into HBO Max as a distribution for new movies. Well, following that up, uh, Canada's own Denis Villeneuve, uh, who is the director of the new Dune movie, went off this week and basically reiterated the same thing, saying, you know, uh, I I did this because it was going to be this, you know, start of a theatrical franchise. And if you're taking this thing and you're putting it on TV, is that going to motivate people to want to think of this as a big screen trilogy if they've only ever seen the first part on TV? TV. So he has, you know, some pretty good concerns. He wrote an op-ed for Variety magazine or, or online, Variety.com, saying that, you know, he thinks this is, uh, you know, he's basically doomed the franchise is what he's saying. Mm. But, but Dune, like the Frank Herbert series, is a, is a number of books, right? Is that the, the gist was that they were going to try and do more of those stories or do you know? Yeah, it was supposed to be... Um, it was supposed to be a an ongoing like the, the idea was if this was successful and they did put every effort into making it successful obviously by hiring someone with the credentials of Denis Villeneuve as well as you know they've casted up the yin yang it's filled with stars it uh, it was very clearly what they envisioned to be the start of their next right. franchise right. Mm-hmm. and he's saying you know this is this is not going to be a great start for what could have been a franchise right yeah I I can understand that perspective and in, in, I'm disappointed that um they didn't go through and ask like cool so what's your proposal right yeah to, to deal with the situation is like these are all good points i'm not disagreeing with his points I was like yeah i mean you would want to do that so what is your proposal hold the movie to 2022 uh release it during the pandemic like what what it's one thing to to have the hey like this might be killer phrase like well holding get out for another year might also be problematic for it too right um you end up in a like a new mutants situation where the dang movie never comes out and by the time it does people kind of forget what it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean dune is a little different in that it's easier to remember what dune is but um i think you end up with the possibility of like oh no <laughs> this one actor was involved in the problem and now we got to get chris Plummer to come in and reshoot his scene <laughs> <laughs> right you keep running the that clock 
and you, and you start running into problems. Yeah, it, it, the quotes are interesting. So I'll, I'll just read a quick bit of the quotes that he had in this op-ed he wrote. He says, uh, streaming can produce great content, but not movies of Dune's scope and scale. Warner Brothers' decision means Dune won't have the chance to perform financially in order to be viable, and piracy will ultimately triumph. Warner Brothers might have just killed the Dune franchise. This one is for the fans. AT&T's John Stanky says that the streaming horse has left the barn. In truth, the, the horse left the barn for the slaughterhouse. Pretty, yeah, this is pretty, pretty over the dark. top. Yeah, this yeah. is pretty over the top. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, they, one thing I gotta say about this whole COVID experience is that when, when people like this who you tend to want to respect go off on these sort of ludicrous tangents, <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you expect? Like, you know, you're lucky you have a movie to show people. Like, some people like, are, like, dying, never mind watching movies, you know? It's fair, although I, I, I wanted to ask you this one from an artist's perspective. So you, I think, are, are more of an artist than uh, than most. Yeah. The goal of the artist is to, you know, speak their truth and then have people, as many people generally as possible, to take it in, right? So yeah. if yeah. this person views himself as an artist and he's creating this because he sees it as art, is this just, you know, whinging because he feels like it's going to diminish his opportunity to have his art taken in on the scale that he wants it to be? Well, yeah, I mean, that there is that side of it. I mean, you know, there is, and I always go off about George Lucas and, you know, and seeing like when I, I remember when Star Wars started coming out on, on VHS, I got really upset about the fact that it wasn't in Letterbox and stuff like that, because that was the format that it was, you know, in, envisioned in and that was the format it was made in. And then, you know, when you, when Luke th- looks through the binoculars and says, oh, look, there's a couple of sand people. There's no sand people on the screen, yep. you know, because of the way it was cut. Well, that, that was right? how you taught me what Letterboxing was. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea. And you were like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Look at it. I said, I don't understand. Then you showed me the Letterbox. I was like, oh, oh okay. People. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, but anyway, so, so there is that, there is the side of, yeah, okay, you want to experience it in, in the, in the format that it's meant in. And, and admittedly, you know, uh, you know, all three of us are movie files, right? So all three of us are like, yeah, you got to see it with the big sound, with the big screen, with the big bucket and the big gulp, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you know, in the comfy chair, you know, with, with, you know, thousands hundreds of other people who are all tribally experiencing the same shock and horror at the same time as you are. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point of going to a movie is to sort of, you know, try and fill your peripheral vision with this experience that somebody has created artistically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's that side of it, but there's also the, the coming back to the, to the give it a rest argument, you know, like, like, yeah, I'm sorry, but right now nobody can go to an art gallery and nobody can go, you know, to a museum. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't, um, you know, uh, like I, I, you know, one of the things is this, this walk through Vincent Van Gogh experience. Don't get me started on that one. I think that's a complete waste of time and, and very kitschy sort of way of looking at somebody's work. Mm. But you know, the, the, there's the whole, like, yeah, I, I get it. I dude, I get the, I get the fact that you're, you're, you're upset about this. Like, like for instance, me, I never saw the return of the Jedi in the movie theater until like 1998 when it came out again, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the redo ones with the, 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 the cloud city redos and the, the inexplicable you know, the, animals that I added to it. And yeah. yeah and, and, the, and the, 
uh, the I think the you know they had Anakin Skywalker beside um, the ghosts, you know, beside, yeah. besides yep, Obi Wan yep, yep. and, and Yoda. That was that version, right? And you know the Greedo shooting first versions, <laughs> but because uh, I did see I did go see the uh, New Hope in the theater in Vancouver when I was living out there, right? Mm-hmm. I went with a bunch of friends because I mean I had seen it in the theater and I hadn't seen it in on the large screen since, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean that doesn't mean that you can't they couldn't come out with say a Tenant or they couldn't come out with Dune now and in five years when all's clear you can't go to the theater and watch it again you know um, I do it all the time I go see movies from this I saw Time Bandits you know two years ago Carol and I went and watched them at, on the TIFF on the big screen and I'd only ever seen Time Bandits it's one of my favorite movies I'd only ever seen it on VHS Blu-ray and DVD right <laughs> I'd never experienced it on a large screen but the one thing you're forgetting Tim is that you're very lucky in that you live in Toronto yeah in, in yeah, Toronto you can do that and that's certainly an option for you it's less definitely less so in other communities the smaller communities that doesn't happen yeah but from what, what coming back to the how the artist intends it which is the argument i'm always sort of giving you is like you know i get that i get that yeah i feel for you mr Villeneuve. i know you want it you want us to experience this in, in the large screen format and and same with with nolan but it's 2020 mm-hmm. right give it a rest you know there's only so much we can do i mean like either like jaime says you shall it till 2022 you know and we might remember to go see your movie then you know but you know because tom cruise will have some sort of 3d you know in your face movie coming out at that point in time you know as well but you know and you'll be competing with that right and um yeah i don't know i mean it's it's sort of i get it you know like you know i want to go to new york to the moma to see the van gogh hanging on the wall i want to go i want to go stand in front of a you cannot i don't care what anybody tells you you cannot experience a jackson pollock picture painting no in a book or on a slide in in a lecture hall you have to go stand in front of one of them yep having right that's done that I, I completely agree it, it there's no way you could reproduce that short of you know some newfangled yeah, technology okay. in the case of people who are, are transporting on home don't know this he literally just threw paint at the canvas yeah each one of his paintings right. is like four inches thick crazy well i say it's it's not so much for his tickets just but the, but there is definitely depth to it and there's expression to it and and you can't you have to and and they're huge you know they're the size of a the size of a big large bedroom kind of thing you know you and same with monet's monet's um uh what do they call a lily pad paintings right you have to stand in front of those right mm. to sort of experience them or guernica or or demoiselle d'avignon it's not a not a tiny little postage stamp of a painting and then again on the other side you've got van gogh's paintings which are the size of a 24 inch monitor maybe not even that big you know yeah the so, one that blew me away was uh oh the one who paints the melting clocks right uh, oh dolly dolly uh, the yeah. first time i saw a dolly it's it was yeah it's like the size of two iphones it's tiny yeah yeah persistence of memory for those of you driving at home hmm <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't get a BFA, so I don't. I don't. No, I. I, I just, <laughs> as, as, as I said, I'm, th- I'm thinking I'm supposed to say where it was painted and what year too, but I can't remember. <laughs> well, you did graduate. Mm-hmm. What, like forty years ago? So, or, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's. I mean, yeah. So to answer your question about, so and and I, I it's funny because I, I because I did take a course in sort of you know you have to do humanities as well as art and all that kind of stuff. And one of the courses I took was uh, a humanity about art, and it was um, the role of the artist. Society and it was based on a book, but the 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 gist of the course was, and this is where I kind of learned what it is, is that the role of like and you, you ter- take this the way you take it with a grain of salt, of course, but 
it's the artist's role in society to to observe what's going on, right? And to make a piece of art that reflects what's going on, whether it's a story or a movie or a painting or a sculpture that reflects the time to give people now and people in the future some way to experience that 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 story, the telling of whatever it is, whether it's late, you know, however, if it's about painting, then it's about how the paint goes down. But if it's about, you know, Guernica, it's about like, you know, it has a story about, there's a story behind the, the, the reason why the painting was painted the way that way, right? So now, you know, you should be painting paintings of people staring into their little square devices in their hand and wearing masks and, you know, standing six feet apart. I mean, you know, that that's what today's experience is like, right? Mm-hmm. It's not sitting in a theater with a hundred other people potentially killing yourself because you want to see a big screen spectacle, spectacle, spectacle. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I saw on the news the other day that a new Banksy turned up in England, and it is of uh, a person sneezing. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. you, you exactly what you just described, right? It was the artist seeing the times and, and reflecting it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I took a picture of Quinn's dolls. She was playing early in, in the whole Quinn's Five, for those of you who don't know, um, playing with her dolls in the living room with Carol, and she had them all stand, like they're all six they're all like a certain like 18 inches apart but like she's like they're the, the dolls are social distancing you know like they're you know yeah like this is yeah. this is what the five-year-old experience is right mm-hmm. anyway sorry oh yeah it's a podcast yes no yes, it's a good it's a good digression again we this is mm-hmm. not the first time this has come up and it will not be the last yes speaking of doctors speaking of doctors uh just a quick one there has been some more casting news for house of the dragon which is the prequel series to game of thrones hbo is working on this week we got news that matt smith former Doctor Who himself is going to be joining the cast. They have not said in what role. And also joining him is uh, Olivia Cook, who was the female lead in Ready Player One. And it was part of a large number of uh, casting announcements they made related to this show, uh, which seems like it's picking up steam. So that's good news. And I think Smith is doing an interesting job of sort of separating himself from the Doctor. You know, obviously Mm. he was on The Crown. He's he's done some different interesting roles the last few years. uh, It'll be interesting to see if he this role can sort of sort of remove some of the cloud of Doctor Who from him. Yeah, it's funny. I met him um, at Fan Expo and got a, a photograph signed by him. And you know, and I had just seen the, the Crown, and I totally, I said, "Oh, you're my favorite Doctor," and la la la. Right? Totally forgot to say. And I saw you in the Crown. Yeah, as Prince Philip. I'm sure he'd appreciate more of those. Well, yeah, like you know, just you know, you're more than just a, a you know screwdriver wielding guy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and he was just so good. I mean, it is a memorable role, but yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, goes on yep next uh apparently there's going to be a new dungeons and dragons movie adaptation so the last one i could think of had uh jeremy irons as the villain no word yet as to whether he'll reprise any roles here. Apparently, Chris Pine has been attached. So if you remember uh, 2009 Star Trek, or if you have seen uh, the other, the, you know, the male love interest for Wonder Woman, that's uh, that's Chris Pine. There you go. Yeah. Apparently, it's been 20 years since that other movie came out. Yeah. Does Dungeons & Dragons have any gravitas as a anything other than a game? You know, there was a cartoon series when I was a kid that I was fond of that ran for a couple of, you know, just on Saturday mornings for a couple of years. I, I just don't... When I hear Dun- 
Dungeons and Dragons, it never makes me think like, oh, that could be good. It makes me think, oh, that sounds desperate. Or some company could only afford really yeah. low level IP. It's a weird one because you would think on the surface of like, hey, well, it's got, you know, the eponymous uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Isn't that basically uh, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? You know, there's like a whole bunch of different ways you could you could take it. Uh, is it Game of Thrones? And like, yes, ish. I just think that the, the brand is so hyper specific to a particular uh, kind of fandom that I kind of wonder whether it can truly be mainstream, right? Like, I almost feel like it needs to not be part of the main title. It needs to be blah, 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 a Dungeons and Dragons story or something, right? Mm, it's kind mm. of a subtitle. Um, well, in these days when an IP like Dungeons and Dragons, which is a name people know, even if they've never played the game or, or really understand it, they know the name. That's what people really want to glom onto, right? Is, oh, I know that name. It could be good, but I don't know. It's hard to get excited until you at least see something rolling on this because, well, especially because the last one was such a flop too. Mm. Yeah, the last one was a little too uh, too cheese ball. I think. I, I think if you did a, a different edge to it, um, you you could make it work maybe. But uh, we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah. And now the moment you've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, this we don't really have follow up on this show, so this is the closest we have, and that's um, the full movie. Uh, and and movie is is rather <laughs> sort of sporting. It's 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 a short film, right? It's uh, sixteen minutes and one second. It says here we're talking about the uh, a recipe for seduction, the <laughs> collaboration between KFC and Lifetime uh, Originals. Um, I did watch this. Uh, I don't have Lifetime in, in, in our household, so we had to wait for it to be on the interwebs. Um, my significant other was baffled because she she doesn't watch Lifetime, so she doesn't understand. I said, no, no, no. They took an entire Lifetime movie set of tropes and they just crammed it all into this 15, 16 minutes. And she's like, well, this is nutty. I'm like, yeah, that's how the way they are, except you know, normally it's like a like a plum, right? There's some filler in there, but this is like a prune. They've just removed all the juices, and you have nothing left but the pulp, and it's very pulpy. <laughs> so you watched and it for 16 minutes, did you? It's it's not very. I mean, you could watch this while you know waiting for your cup of coffee to 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 be made or or eat a sandwich or something. Um, it's very uh, easily you know taken in, and uh, while they don't go into the uh, as Jonathan called it, the KFCU, the cinematic universe that, that I had proposed. Um, they do leave open the possibility of a sequel. So we'll see what happens here. Oh, from your oh, lips to right. the producer's ears. <laughs> All right. A franchise we never knew we wanted. Speaking of franchises. Yeah. So we spoke last week about the great Disney Plus expansion plans, which, uh, you know, were far reaching. And we were very excited about all these different properties that are coming based on, of course, Star Wars and Marvel and uh, Willow and all these great things. Well, the the bill came due and they have announced that the price is going up. Not surprising, I suppose. Uh, $3 per month is what the cost is going up here in Canada. Uh, and that is starting in February. Wait, up by $3? Up by $3 a month in February. It's going up from... Disney needs your money? Well, apparently to finance all these new shows. Oh, okay. So it, right. right now it's, it's $8.99 per month. It'll be going up to $12 uh, or $11.99 per month as of February 23rd, 2021. And it's coming on the same day that they are uh, releasing Star, that new Hulu international uh, platform inside of Disney Plus. Right, right. So okay. you're going to get dinged for three bucks, but they're going to mitigate the ding by giving you a bunch of new content and then the promise of more to come. By then you'll be four weeks or well, more than that, five five weeks into one division and you won't care that you're spending that much more. Now, 
<laughs> the nice thing is, obviously, you can lock in for a year. Uh, they do still have yearly rates. Um, so if you're locked in, obviously, they're not going to raise it on you in the, in the interim. You're locked in at that cost till your term runs out. Yeah. Right, right. So this was shocking to me, but then I had to do the, the 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 translation into U.S. dollars. I think this feels like it's just aligning the price and making it the same as the U.S. So the U.S. Mm. and I know this because I just did sign up for Disney Plus. We'll talk more about that later. Um, is six ninety. Let's call it seven dollars. Well, translating your eight ninety nine Canadian is roughly seven dollars U.S. And translating mm-hmm. the eleven ninety nine Canadian becomes around nine dollars U.S. So it. I think it's we said it was going to go up from seven dollars to like eight in the u.s right and then mm-hmm. maybe go up to nine after that so it, it feels like it's a, a price conversion or a, a sorry currency conversion problem here yeah yeah and, and there is a, obviously always going to be some fluctuations between our dollars value and all all those different things sort of come into play but yeah I, I don't think it's out of whack and we talked about it last week as well that netflix here in canada if you have the 4k version and the multi-license 15 16 bucks isn't it? it's actually it's going to be up near 20 so 20 okay you know you are still in the course of time disney plus still is a pretty good value for what you're spending and the fact that they are pretty much locking in now to having a new piece of ip not a recycled not a you know piece that is coming from some other property but they are bringing you a new piece of ip that's usually star wars marvel pixar high end every single week going forward from now until the end of time that doesn't seem like a bad investment Hmm. anyway what's up what else is going on Disney Plus. You know, maybe they, I mean, they, they need to charge all of us so much more money is uh, because they do have just so many things coming out that they have made a new thing called Legends, uh, which is apparently a clip show to help get you up to speed with what the heck is going on as this starts becoming uh, very similar to the source material where it can be a little hard to keep track of. Wait a minute, what's going on in the storyline? And there you go. You can you can have the, the quick recap here. Apparently it's going to showcase um, presumably if, you know, like, you know, new Thor movie coming out and be like, all right, you know, let's, you know, how did Thor get here? Um, but yep. I could see them even doing it for uh, the new characters of like, who is this other Miss Marvel? Is that not just Captain Marvel? Well, no, they're not. And here's where they can explain the difference. Um, so it's pretty brilliant in, in many respects. I certainly appreciate the the lighter weight version of this where, um, what was it? I think it was Netflix for um, the Umbrella Academy. Season two mm-hmm. begins with a season one recap. So you understand the nutty mm-hmm. things that happened and that, okay, go, here's the new parts that you're dealing with. Yeah, and it, it really did make sense. I, I agree with you, Jaime. I think it really made sense when you think about it in the larger picture. You know, we've obviously been watching these movies since the beginning because this is a genre we're interested in. But then you think back and think, oh, it's been almost 12 years since Iron Man came out and the MCU kicked off. Yeah. And in the interim, there's been 22 movies. Plus, there's more in development. Plus, now they're doing the shows. Plus, you know, you include the ancillary things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Plus, you want to include some of the comic book history it's going to start getting muddled for people and they're going to start tuning out and this is one of the Mm. challenges that comic books has always faced right you know they want you to like spider-man but spider-man's been around since 1963 and there's thousands of comics that have been published with his stories you're going to get lost they need to have these little access points for a broader audience who can be like okay show me in 15 minutes everything i need to know to set me up for the show so the first one of these legends show they're going to do is wanda and uh, and Vision from WandaVision, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, they're going to basically give you everything you need to know about their appearances in the movies, their history. They're going to talk to the creators and they're going to basically set the stage so that you can just come in and you don't have to go back and watch
watch the last few Avengers movies or Civil War or any of that stuff because it'll all just be recapped for you. It's it's actually a really smart marketing move. Yeah, and it's and there's a link here to it in in this article of the 52 things that, that Disney announced. That was last week's you know headline for us, right? There's so much stuff that you know you need a article just to walk you through it, right? Yeah, we didn't. Um, there there's all kinds of stuff that we really didn't get into last week. You know, we barely scratched on you know the Indiana Jones announcement and. They did uh, announce that they're not going to recast T'Challa for the Black Panther 2. There's, there's just a ton of stuff. Like It's funny because we talked about it for a good you know, 25 minutes, and there's still just so much more news coming out of this stuff. Um, right, right. Just bonanza. Like, it's ridiculous. Mm. Thinking of everybody's favorite Star Wars robot. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was going to say the, the title here from this Ars Technica article that's uh, Alan Tudyk plays a crime-solving alien in disguise in the Resident alien trailer for uh sci-fi this is a sci-fi channel series and if you're like who's alan tudyk yes he was the uh the voice and motion captured actor for k2so the droid in uh rogue one he was also the uh character alpha in the eliza dushku vehicle dollhouse and people probably know him most of all from firefly some people tammy doesn't know him. some people <laughs> right um th- this uh i mean this does feel like a very sci-fi channel kind of uh kind of show um i don't know the, i'd say watch the trailer see what you think it i think it will not have sort of a neutral sort of thing to it it will either be like a a, a cult favorite sort of thing or it's going to be an utter flop it's kind of hard to tell from watching the, the trailer i feel like it could go like one of two ways so i, I might check this out and, and see how it goes see if it uh see if it holds up for more than uh like an snl skit sort of of level of content resident alien is that's the the uh, video game right as resident evil you're thinking of oh what's resident alien i wonder then i think it's original. so this guy I'll is watch the trailer. basically the, the trope of yeah this guy's basically the trope of uh alien comes to earth and tries to fit in and very clearly does not oh man who fell to earth mork man who fell to earth yeah starman yeah. with uh, jeff bridges yeah 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 right right cool yeah i liked him he did a web series uh for a few years called Con Man, Alan Tudyk, where he basically played a parody of himself trying to sort of, you know, grow as an actor and everything else. It's kind of like that uh, the Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton thing we were talking about several episodes ago. Uh, a really good series. It's on iTunes. It's it's worth a watch. He basically he's he is a beloved sci-fi actor who is trying to get away from the, the limelight of being a Star Trek actor or a sci-fi actor. So he's playing a satire of that. But he actually, they actually like filmed some of it at San Diego Comic-Con and stuff. It's pretty funny. So uh, I, I think I like his sense of humor and I like his choice of roles a lot of the time. I, I think I would I would probably follow him to, you know, almost any project he's working on just so that I really enjoy his work. Cool. All right. And here's more about Jaime's Roku. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, this does personally impact me favorably in that uh, HBO Max is finally coming to Roku. Uh, the, the regular HBO, uh, HBO Now, HBO Go has been available there, but, but not Max because HBO and Roku were fighting over the dollar bills and how they would split up fees and etc. But 
with no surprise, given that there's, as we record this, roughly a week before Wonder Woman 1984 premieres on HBO Max, I'm guessing that both sides were able to come to an equitable agreement and, and finally put this uh, this silliness behind them. So there you go. I, I was considering my options. From now on, Christmas Day will be the day that Wonder Woman comes out in our lore? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, it's, it, it seems quite quite, uh, quite appropriate here. So yeah, I, I was considering so my options. why do we put options. the tree up in the corner and why do we put the lights on it? Yeah, because Wonder Woman came out, right? <laughs> Finally. And the tinsel. Don't forget the tinsel. All right, Jonathan, you can, you can you know, take a break for a few minutes while Jaime and I talk about oh, Tom Cruise. Oh, no, I have some opinions. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I'm interested to see. So let, let's, if folks didn't see this uh, flying on the interwebs, uh, particularly Twitter, um, uh, the Scottish Sun, not the normal Sun, the Scottish Sun uh, is reporting on uh, Tom Cruise's uh, COVID-related rant uh, on set. Uh, apparently, he's producing the latest Mission Impossible, and the crew was not following the COVID rules, and he completely went off on them, saying, like, hey, there are a lot of jobs here that are at stake. If you mess this up, you, know, you are gone, and you're gone, and you're gone. Uh, sort of like an anti-Oprah there. So um, I, I will leave this to the panel. Uh, opinions on this particular event. And you get a pink slip, and you get a pink slip, and you get a pink slip. Yeah, <laughs> he he went off. like. Yeah, I heard I heard the clip earlier today, too. Like, I don't know if you guys listened to it. Oh, yeah. A lot of, yeah, lot of was, words we don't mm-hmm, use on mm-hmm. this podcast. Yeah, he was very upset. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's kind of, yeah, uh, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta stick to your gut. It's funny, uh, just speaking of, of COVID, you know, things, um, I don't know if you guys watched Saturday Night Live, but uh, last week they had on a country western singer that we talked about mm-hmm. who uh, was kicked off the show, or, or he was taken off the show and Jack White came and played in his place um, because he went to a party a couple of, like, nights before, weeks before he was supposed to appear on Saturday Night Live. And, and you know, I mean, yeah, maybe Tom Cruise was a little, you know, um, Tom Cruise-ish in this, in this, in his reaction, but, you know, um, it, I think you have to stick to your guns and, you know, I mean, th- th- there are obviously better ways to deal with this kind of stuff, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't really fault him for, I mean, I, I, you know, know people who regularly talk to people about improperly wearing the masks and standing too close and stuff like that. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, sorry, I think in this circumstance too, you know, I, you know, I'm not a Tom Cruise fan at all. I must admit, I found myself on, on his turf and in, in his corner for the first time in a long time, I thought to myself, yeah, like, okay, yeah, you're, you're right. Cause what his point was, was, you know, you're not just endangering me, you're endangering everybody around here. And, you know, it wasn't like he was, was saying, you know, oh, somebody sat in my trailer. Like, it wasn't like he was being a prima donna. He was going off on the fact that these people's poor decisions put everyone at risk. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, yes, absolutely. We need more people of his clout, maybe not using that language, but we need more people with his clout yelling that, you know, frankly, the president of the GD United States should have been doing that for the last nine months. You know, yeah, we need yeah. people in positions of power and fame and authority to yell, yell as loud as they need to yell to get through to the thick headed people who make these kind of asinine selfish decisions to get it through their thick skulls that they are not just putting themselves at risk. They're putting potentially, you know, lots of other people at risk. And yeah, I, I'll, <laughs> it's the first and last time you're going to hear it, kids. I think Tom Cruise is right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to publish that statement. Uh, but wasn't it the wasn't it the premiere of Man- Manitoba? Um, 
who's the government governor equivalent, um, who was on TV a couple of weeks ago saying to people like, if you don't get this, you're a bloody idiot. Yeah. And yeah, it's okay to hate me for imposing all these rules on you, but I don't know. It's it, it's yeah, it, it's the whole. I don't have to wear a mask because you tell me I have to wear a mask. You know, frick you! You're wearing. Pardon me. You're wearing a mask <laughs> because thanks, Tom Cruise. You're, you're protecting. You're not. It's not about your rights. It's about you're protecting everybody else around you. And yeah. I and I get that a lot of people really don't give a rat's ass about the people around them. That's mm-hmm. clearly you know clear by what they're, the fact that they refuse to wear a mask, right? Or mm-hmm. That their puppet president was you know had the election stolen away from him by because the other guy got more votes. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I mean, it, yeah, I mean, there it should be. It ought, there ought to be a law. And in fact, I think there is a law. You know, I keep I keep seeing you know people saying, "Can I come back to Canada?" You know, and and the reality is, yeah, you can come back to Canada, but you got to sit in a hotel for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, till you're clear. Yep, yep. And we've had that happen. You know, uh, it's starting to get closer to hockey season here in Canada. The World Junior Hockey Championships are coming up, and yeah. the Canadian team has been incredibly cautious. So they've been testing them multiple times a day and they've had a couple of positive tests. And as soon as they get a positive test, really? they wow. shut down the entire camp for two weeks and then they come back and they start again and they got had another few positive tests a few days later and they shut down the entire camp again. But by the time they get to the actual tournament, hopefully they'll have, you know, no issues whatsoever. Whereas some of the other teams haven't been quite as stringent and now the tournament is only a week away and they are going to have to miss the tournament because they haven't been doing their quarantines properly. Yeah, so yeah. you can say that it's over cautiousness. You can say that it's, you know, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, authoritarian rule or whatever it is. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, more people have died from COVID in the last year than world wars than well, not quite world wars. But yeah. like, you know, more people died in in in, in from COVID than 9-11. I'm sorry. Hello. Yep. You know, yeah. Well, that's what they said. So it was, I think it was last week was the first time that more people died in a single day in just the United States of COVID than died on 9-11. And it's going to be that for a minimum of the next three to six months, every single day. And that's just in the United States. Like oh, We're we're up around 2,000 a day in Canada, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. this is to be taken seriously. I know that's a week in, in Seattle, but that's, you know. <laughs> But no, again, I, I think, I again, I, I'm not on Tom Cruise's corner most of the time, but here I'm right with him. He's never in Tom Cruise's corner. <laughs> he, he never, never is, you know, I mean, he'll have to be in a hospital bed strapped down before he'll let us put a Tom Cruise movie on and, and we'll have to sew his eyes open. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Clockwork Orange? Think that. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. yeah. I think the last Tom Cruise movie I saw was, and without exaggeration, tw- over 20 years ago. What was it? I think it was The Last Samurai. Last Samurai? Is oh, that wow. Called? You saw that? I, I did. Sure. And I think maybe no it was because you maybe have rented it or something i think that's why i watched it uh yeah i think that was the last thing i saw and i was like yeah i'm out i'm out i'm, I'm good i'm out <laughs> yeah but no I, I think he's got a point and i think if obviously you know there are better ways to deal with your co-workers however everything he said is absolutely true people need to smarten up and yeah. they have to stop treating their fellow human beings so poorly yeah and i mean unfortunately you know for for those around who who look at tom cruise i mean you know i like his movies i don't I don't do not agree with 
his his politics and his and his choice of you know worship mm-hmm. you know at, mm-hmm. in any way but uh and yeah it's just but yeah i mean he has done some good movies i gotta say mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah i watched all of the the mission impossibles there, i mean i was a huge mission impossible fan when i was a kid right probably because leonard nimoy was in it for a while right but uh, yeah i used to watch that all the time and and the tv show was still better than the movies have been but yeah you know, except simon pegg's in it too and that make, also makes it good yeah that's the part that's always been attractive to me because i know the supporting cast is amazing and i like a lot of those actors but uh well i mean yeah. it, and there's been a lot of a lot of i mean to to talk about tom cruise for a minute i mean vanilla sky was it was it's a favorite movie of mine and so is uh and um and uh like i mentioned before the um what's the one edge of tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, that one I'll, I'll watch whenever it's on um it's just such a such a good movie like now it could be anybody like anybody could be playing the tom cruise character um but yeah it's it's a i love those kind of stories where they play with time and and you know it's sci-fi and it's time and whatever i'm not so big on the aliens but you know um but i like the concept of of, of how that works right so. i have a dark confession before we leave this this bit oh mm-hmm. there is one tom cruise movie which i do enjoy and it's only because i love the writing and it's a few good men uh oh yeah yeah it's Aaron Sorkin. many times it's Aaron yeah, Sorkin, and times. it is yeah. the performances are great all across the board it is an incredibly well-written screenplay yeah uh it's directed by rob reiner who does an excellent job with it i like that movie a lot and i just try and not to pay attention when cruise is being cruise <laughs> yeah well it's what's amazing about that movie that just for a second here is that is that you know the, the twist that that happens at the end of the movie mm-hmm. there you you know what's coming mm-hmm. and every single time it maybe it's jack nicholson maybe it's aaron sorkin but or or rob reiner but there's something about the, that delivery of that line it's like i, I can't believe you're saying this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you freaking idiot yep. you know yep. yeah it's such an amazing amazing thing and of course you know demi moore's great in it and kevin pollock's great yep. in it you know yep yeah no it crackles so. it's uh you know <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your hair back by mentioning that that movie came out 28 almost 29 years ago <laughs> yeah well i was just looking at the at the day of the doctor when we were talking about matt smith that uh, you know they were the doctors when we had uh the war doctor mm. as well as uh, david Tennant. you know i, li- I like the I, I like the stories where the where there's more than one doctor in them because you know that's kind of twisty sort of timey-wimey stuff right 2003 mm, yeah yeah crazy so, long time ago yeah anywho all right are we there yet we're there I think Is so time time it's time to talk about mandalorian yay mandalorian all hail the no, emperor yeah yeah like i said everybody this, this is the part of the show where we talk about star trek discovery season three not episode 20 episode 10, 10. episode 10. 10 yeah it's a typo here who did that i think the 20 anyway. was for this very show and not i know the but star it trek says discovery i'm show. looking at the part where it says main it says ep- season three episode 20 but it's after episode 10 for those of you who think you missed you know 10 episodes terra firma part de um and i think jaime is turn to do the recap that's right recappy stuff that's right we begin with a uh, really nifty fly through of the iss discovery kind of neat seeing the the camera fly through and, and see the you know repairs going on and then sort of take us in from underneath uh instead of coming from the top it's kind of like you're, you're coming from the bottom so to speak and go through and we catch up to see what's been going on since the first part of this two-parter we see michael burnham uh mirror michael burnham uh, being dragged to the brig and and begging for honorable 
death of like, what are you doing here? You know, I'm supposed to be killed, right? I don't want to. Basically, she doesn't want to go into the agonizer because she surely knows that's what's coming if she's not going to get killed right away. Um, and she's just ragging on on Jarjo. It's like, look, everyone can see how weak you've become. Why do you think Lark has been successful? Why do you think there's, you know, uh, this whole groundswell of people looking to to overtake you? Um, and she's like, look, you're even like retiring to this palace in the sky, right? Talking about the the Karen, um, the the big ship that was being christened. And Giorgio was like, look, no, this palace in the sky is what gives us hope so we don't have to squash so many rebellions out there, right? Basically like a, a big show of force. Um, uh, Michael's like, look, the, there's this whole coalition that's forming and it's it's coming to destroy us, to destroy the, the Terran Empire. And uh, that, that's not convincing enough. They end up throwing Michael in the agonizer and uh, Giorgio has what's probably one of the, the, the better sort of learnings from this episode. It feels like it's very applicable. So not apparent here, but but kind of curious on the parental perspective of uh, why won't they listen to what I say? Why do they only learn from pain? (laughs) Yep. Amen. Fall on her face, man. Amen, (laughs) sister. That pot is hot. Don't touch that pot. Oh, you burned yourself. Well, you learned from the pain. This pot, I won't hurt myself. I, I, I've been told stories about a young man who did that. I, good, that person was a fool, whoever it was. <laughs> uh, so we go into uh, a, a different scene here where uh, Killy, as I refer to um, to Mirror Universe Tilly, uh, Killy asks Giorgio, like, why the heck is Michael still alive? You're supposed to be killing her. And uh, Giorgio is basically saying, well, because it's, you know, it's very simple and easy to kill someone, but, you know, bending them back to your will is is totally different it's a different show of force so so your task is to break her or i will demand to know why you haven't and we go into the the really nifty cool mirror universe intro or the the show which is blue and upside down if you all noticed yeah that was very at, at first i thought it was a completely new intro and then after a few seconds i realized oh no they've just flipped it very weird yeah they flipped it and tinted everything blue to, to give mm-hmm. us the indication that we're we're hanging out here in the mirror universe so that was that was kind of a cool kind of a cool one off there yeah um so coming back from the intro we've got killy taunting michael uh you know kicking like food through the 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 electronic doors or bars if we're going to call them that the, the force fields uh and says like look you, your mother is is too soft hearty i basically would have just killed you immediately uh so they uh they throw michael in the agonizer again and then they're like hey uh why don't you sleep in there and apparently they do this because <laughs> they make michael slip it sleep in there and then surprise her by turning it on in the middle of the night which is all sorts of messed up <laughs> and, and they were having a good time doing it too yeah yeah and they've got uh they've got even dr colbert here who's like oh michael has you know passed out from the pain that's all right we got a hypo spray to wake her <laughs> wake her back up to feel more pain it's hella messed up we can fix that exactly exactly uh so uh, uh after the, the the bad times have occurred uh detmer comes to visit michael and michael's like look man they're they're listening so you better be real careful with uh with whatever you say right like don't don't give yourself up so really indicating to us that detmer was definitively part of the uh the, the attempted coup on Giorgio. and the news comes here that you know uh, no one's heard from Lorca, right like you might think he's gonna white knight his way in here but look dude he ain't coming 
So uh, we end up with uh, Giorgio talking to Michael. Uh, she believes uh, she can change, right? And she ends up... Um, oh, this is when Michael is passed out, isn't it? That's right. That's right. I don't think this is a conversation, right? This is where her just sort of in the uh, in the cell with a passed out or sleeping Michael. Is that right? I don't even remember. All yes. right. Well, never mind. Okay. Okay. okay, cool. Yeah, she's she's lying there and she's talking to her about her, her, her night vision or night terrors and whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's saying... I think, I think Michael on. wasn't really sleeping because she, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of thinking she wasn't sleeping either but then she came out of her sleep a little bit more sleepy than i had thought she might be so i, I got a little confused on that one but uh either, either way she's she's talking to a, a supposedly sleeping michael telling her about how when she was young uh, when michael was young that is she would have these nightmares um and eventually Giorgio just let her sleepwalk and she ended up walking to a field of fireflies and she would self-soothe and she'd do this kind of on a recurring basis um and and Giorgio leaves her with a nice little bowl of, of fireflies kind of a cute motherly thing mm. uh michael uh wakes quotes here wakes up and uh and eats some bread so finally eating some some of the food even though she had refused it for, for quite some time throughout these these different cutscenes. uh and and she is brought to see Giorgio, and she you know, apologizes and uh you know says she can she can change her her traitorous ways and uh is like that's cool all right well you know what you got to do right you gotta you gotta kill all the traitors and uh, oh by the way uh, detmer can help you with this so we we see uh we see mirror landry sashay through the hall uh she gets attacked by detmer some pew pew pews happen she uh she kind of gets away until she runs down the hall and michael just takes her out so it was, it was definitely a trap there how many times is reka sharma dying on this show <laughs> yeah that's, that's three by my count yeah <laughs> how's it gonna bring her back next time you know i i admire her for coming back just to be in a couple of scenes in this crossover and then get snuffed like that is that is commitment to your character mm -hmm, or they indeed. cut her a humongous check one of those well yeah <laughs> uh so we don't see the the like full scenes of these going on it's kind of heavily implied because we've got a, a collected group in the in the conference room here and michael throws all the badges of the dead she names some of them she names landry throws a badge price throws a badge and then throws a whole bunch more and says and all the rest um and Giorgio is like you know that's not all and michael sort of takes the hint and just stabs detmer just like right dead right there like finishing off the last last of the traitors the non-michael traitors yeah hardcore yeah yeah and, and so you end up with the the mother-daughter dinner where they, they eat and talk about uh, the lack of uh, the kfc <laughs> sarushi <laughs> like it's not on the menu oh well you know it's it's so uh what'd she say it's so high so cholesterol fattening. yeah yeah there yeah, you go high, high cholesterol. cholesterol that's right and and kind of grisly right yeah and she says you know oh yeah it's stringy and she says uh you know oh i was in my cell i was really craving some ganglia <laughs> gross right. so gross yeah yeah um uh, apparently Giorgio was able to use uh some back channels to destroy this supposed coalition from within you know, typical uh, uh, getting people to distrust each other sort of thing. And, and she asked, like, look, do you, do you still love Lorca? What's going on? You know, are you going to be able to make the right choice here with him? And then Michael proclaims, oh, yeah, she, she's totally, you know, ready to, to end this man, given the opportunity, right? Like, you can trust me, mother, sort of stuff. And we end up with a different scene with Saru. He's, he's brushing Giorgio's hair. He's, as you might recall from the first parter, he's her uh, personal attendant here, as uh, Giorgio saved him uh, from, from getting killed by Michael for, for rather minor... Uh, 
you know inconveniences and she tells him like he, he's to remain with her instead of returning to service with michael and he's like unfortunately i can't the the vaharai is coming for me so i i, I would like for you to call me and put me out of my misery and jarjo says no that's it's not true. The Vaharai is, is not a time for your people to be cold. Uh, actually, what you need to do is get yourself into, um, you know, a, a locked room somewhere and just, you know, just suffer through it. And you will be even grander than uh, than you might have thought. In fact, I, I knew somebody. His, his name was Saru, which confused me a little bit. And I said, oh, wait, he probably doesn't have a name in this universe, if I recall. He's, he's just yeah, he like a pet yeah. that, or a cattle, rather. You're not even a pet yep. cattle. Yeah. He tells him about this guy, uh, a Kelpian Shinu named Saru. That's how she knew about the Vaharai and he became even more powerful and eventually a Starfleet or Starship captain. And Sir was like, uh, you're not Terran, right? Because you're not speaking at all like a Terran. She's like, no, no, no. I, I, I've seen a different way and, you know, trust me on this. This, this is better. And that was a good moment too, just him calling her out and saying, you're not, you're not a Terran anymore. That was the first and they, they repeated it over the episode, but that she doesn't mm-hmm. belong anymore, that she isn't who she was when she left. And that was, that was a really good web that weaves through this whole episode. Agreed, agreed, and it becomes uh, more important towards uh, towards the end of the episode that we'll we'll definitely talk about. Um, so uh, somewhere in here, the the note had come. I think probably the discussion with Michael about uh, how Lorca has been using this this code name Vicar when he uh, is communicating uh, surreptitiously, and the ISS Disco crew has discovered that a message was sent to Vicar. And we end up with uh, with Killy in command and Nielsen at the con. They they warp over to go find uh, this person named Dugan or Duggan, I forget how his name's pronounced. Yeah, and Duggan, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they're like, all right, let's let's pew 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 him a little bit to disable his ship. Uh, they, they get him on the the, uh, the comms. And apparently he has been rallying the Klingons and Romulans against the Empire. Uh, and Virgil's like, that's silly. They they hate each other. He's like, well, they hate you much more than they hate each other. That's <laughs> that's what's happening here. Uh, so they, uh, they beam Dugan over to the brig. He is immediately killed by Mike and whoa betrayal here uh michael uh pulls pulls a weapon on uh, on Giorgio and you know other people are involved as well in this whole betrayal so it's it's a whole coup going on here right um but who should come to the, the to, to the rescue so to speak is Achilles kelpian core as i spelled with all k's here which <laughs> kind of fits a little bit with the uh we'll talk a little bit about like the the nazi or hitler sort of themes here uh especially related to Joe. Uh, but they come in come into fight. Uh, eventually uh, Michael ends up getting stabbed by Jojo, uh, but Jojo also had gotten injured as well and she's uh she's bleeding out. Um and we discover that uh Saru in this universe has actually passed the Vaharai, so he was definitely a beast picking up somebody and like, you know, flinging him at the ceiling sort of stuff. So he was kicking some butt, sort of changing the world here. And as uh as Jojo is uh dying, she returns to what seems to be the real world and they're back with uh the uh, the the doctor who guy and michael and uh it it turns out that like you know the the change has occurred such that the newspaper he showed up which previously showed that uh Giorgio had, had died in a very specific date uh which was i think tomorrow's newspaper if i'm not mistaken now shows that there's basically no fate but what we make right the, the future is unclear and Giorgio's mm-hmm. like what the hell like i was in the mirror universe for months uh and yeah <laughs> and uh, 
And uh, Michael's like, no, you, you passed out for like a minute. What are you talking about? But oh, they checked the little wrist device and it did in fact record months of data. And uh, it's like, whoa, what the heck's going on here? George Oak does another one of those like glitchy pain things. And they're like, all right, Doctor Who guy, who, who the heck are you? And he says, I am the guardian of forever. Mm. And we Which, all went, aha! Yeah, yeah, I want to take a little... And the, and the portal portal from the TOS shows up. Right? Yeah, I... <laughs> I feel like we need to take 30 seconds here for Tim to explain, because what I remember, which I'll start off with, what I remember is uh, the the big portal, and I I think McCoy runs in there for reasons that are like he's drunk or something. He gets a fever, and he's all out of himself, and he jumps through, and then Kirk and uh, Spock jump through to try, they go back into the past, and they end up in in Earth. Um, Because they jump through at different times, Kirk and Spock end up in, like, 1920s America before or about a week before McCoy shows up, 30, right? 1930. 1930, yeah. yeah. And and um, that's the one with Edith Keeler yep. must die. Yep. I forget the name, if that's the name of the episode or not. But, it um, is, in fact, not. It's called The City on the Edge of Forever. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's with Joan Collins mm-hmm. from Dallas. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Um, no. Da- who, Dynasty. Dynasty. Dynasty, yeah. Sorry, Dynasty. And um, That's Harlan Ellison. That was Harlan Ellison's famous episode. Yeah. Much-loved sci-fi author. Oh, really? He wrote that mm-hmm. one, yeah? Cool. So, wait, what was your question, Jaime? Well, I, I vaguely remember. So here's my remembrance. So so uh, McCoy is drunk or something, goes into the, the portal, yeah. ends yeah, up going he's, back he's, in he's time. Out on, he's having discover... a drug reaction. Okay, yeah. so that makes sense. But I'm just going off of my vague memory. Like, how would I, re- how would I describe yeah, it with, okay. no, with no Google? I was like, all right. And then sure. I think yeah. he, like, falls in love with a nurse or something, and they save her from some some accident. But it turns out, because of that, Hitler takes over the world. So they're like, yeah. dude, she has to die. <laughs> it's so yeah. sad, but for this one woman has to die so that hitler doesn't take over is that, is that about right yep she- yeah yes scott uh spock starts to use the tricorder of course um to she she runs a soup kitchen and and um uh kirk and spock end up working in the, in the soup kitchen and and uh, spock keeps you know stealing all this or, or acquiring all this electronic gear to the point where he's got his whole room wired up to be the equivalent of a tricorder and uh he's got a little tv tube and he's he can see into the future he can read through the I guess there's some sort of timeline he can read and he sees there's two possible outcomes. One is that, you know, th- things go back to normal and the other one is that, you know, Hitler wins, Germany wins the war and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we can't, as Americans, have that, right? So we have to solve that problem. And um, and it turns out that as Spock is sort of calculating over time, not, you know, he, f- he figures out that um, Edith Keeler is uh, in the newspaper and she and the turning point is her death. Yeah. And so McCoy literally shows up on one side of the street and Kirk and, and uh, McCoy are on the other side of the street and uh, Kirk, sorry, Kirk and Spock and Edith Keeler sees them and starts to run across the street and gets hit by a car but as she's running across the street McCoy and Kirk and Spock see that she's going to get killed or hit by this car and um, McCoy starts to run out and try and save her and Kirk grabs him yeah. and holds him back and, and lets her die yeah. and then of course McCoy's like what are you doing man? He's still in his feverish state Right, mm-hmm. and he can't understand why why on earth Kirk would let this this happen that way, right? So, yep. but yeah, there was it was sort of like a, the the beginning of the the beginning of the show was I just watched it a few weeks ago, which is why it's so clear in my memory. But at the beginning of the show, it was almost like.
like na- I thought I was watching Naked Time for a minute because people were getting infected by touching each other. Mm. Again, perfect 2020, you know, storyline, right? Yep. And McCoy is treating these people and he gets the sweat or whatever it is on him. So he, he gets infected with this space virus and gets a space fever and uh, he ends up um, beaming down to the planet somehow and, and getting into and jumping through this yeah. this portal, right? Yeah. So Yeah, it's a it's an yeah. all-time classic original episode and it's actually if you sort of trace it back, it really is the origin of the idea of the good of the many versus the good of the one, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that really is the first part where Star Trek really hit on that as a theme that in order for millions to live, this person has to die. Yeah. And it was very poignant. It was a, again, it's an all-time classic for a reason. And if I remember correctly, that portal talks, right? It does. Like it, yes. Yeah, it kind of glows as it talks. And in fact, I think in the animated series, they also brought the port that same portal back for another episode, right? So yeah, it's not the it's not the only time they've ever done this kind of thing in in um, in Star Trek, but because uh, there was one where they were there was they land on a planet where the one I was talking about last week was with Mary to Hartley, where uh, Spock and Kurt, Spock and McCoy end up going back in time by mistake to like prehistoric times, and and because it's prehistoric, um, Spock as a Vulcan starts to to um, uh, devolve into a more you know um, barbaric state. That's, right? Yeah, yesteryear. That's another one. Yeah, yeah, yep. another great one. Yeah. Yep. So and uh, there's actually a really good if you if anybody wants to dig into it, maybe I'll paste it into the show notes. Memory Alpha, which we've talked about before, has a, right. a really nice uh, recap of the episode, and it also has a lot of little behind the scenes details. One of the questions nice. was put to it, you know, well, the timing of this, obviously, this was you know the mid '60s. Was this all a, a parallel for the Vietnam War? And the writer um, or one of the producers said, you know, yeah, of course, of course, this was a parallel for the Vietnam yeah, War. Yeah. So yep. uh, yeah, it's it's poignance knows no bounds apparently. Yeah, and, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, they used to do things like you know Kirk would would kiss Uhura, mm-hmm. or you know he would have some sort of racy scene, or it would be some sort of thing that they would you know a scantily clad woman you know to get the censors to sort of get all riled up and miss the fact that the story was about it was an anti-war theme, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. The writers on the show used to do that, and Roddenberry used to do that all the time. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to back to uh, today's show, Jaime. No, I thought this was useful because I, I mean, even I was like, all right, I kind of remember the Garden of Forever from from that episode. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't get things correct, but I was like, oh, at least I knew enough to say, all right, I see how this episode is going to end. I right? was waiting for him to say, I'm cute. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was really, possibly right. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a possibility. It, it seemed like those two were the obvious. If they were going to tie it into something we knew that those yeah, made sense yeah, yeah. Yep. i'd yeah, loved good. it if it was delancey had just shown up that would have been amazing <laughs> would have been amazing yeah when they said when they said yeah there's this this life form down on the planet you know or something like that when they when they first in the first part if they had beamed down and it was delancey sitting in there with the bowler oh, hat oh my on. god <laughs> he's gotta he's gotta show up at some point i'm sure right i wonder i wonder if he was just the personal torment of uh of jean-luc picard i i honestly hope if he's gonna come back he comes back in picard because really it was the dynamic between those two yeah. the performers was so good yeah. right yeah. right uh so they they tease us with that reveal that he's the the garden of forever with the with the portal uh we go back over to um the disco the the prime universe disco and uh adira and stamets are trying to figure out the the signal they're like all right how come we're not able to you know just patch in to the the ship that's supposedly there like we know it's a starfleet ship we we know which ship it is we should be able to connect uh and reno janet reno uh, janet reno jet reno comes in uh, not happy with the power 
drain that they're using because they're really maxing things out uh trying to to connect that other ship in the ruben Verruben nebula uh and book comes in and says uh he has an answer it's uh it's an emerald chain Wait, tool you gotta talk about the licorice you want to explain you want to explain the licorice thing and how it's a, it's, yeah, a, sure. it's a snack when jet reno's there standing explaining to to samitz and and uh, adira is her dear her name she um she's chewing on a piece of licorice and adira says you can't have a food in here she says it's not food it's candy this is like it's like an attack it's sort of a, a accessory kind of yeah. deal right? right and then when book walks in a minute you know a few minutes later he said he looks at her and just up offhandedly says you can't have food in here <laughs> well he, but it's funnier too because he says i've been reading all these manuals you're not allowed to have food yeah. in here yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely taking the you know you got to do things by the book no pun intended uh yeah yeah you know read the the manual sort of thing uh, so he brings his his uh, 23rd century uh, mesh wi-fi router right yeah yeah it's this whole emerald chain tool uh possibly malware that, that the couriers know about of, of how to to use this and that can be useful to to boost things so they can they can work through and uh, and it does and stamets can't find a way to say thank you which reno's like yeah it will physically hurt him to say thank you so uh sort of just the way his personality is uh, we go we go back down to the planet uh we learned that the the guardian was uh, was tired of being used to try uh killing other people within the, uh, the time wars uh and he left that location that he was at um and basically tried to hide away uh but the sphere data um sort of came in handy in being able to extrapolate where this guy might have gone or this entity might have gone given what it knew about uh his past dealings as well as access to the uh, the federation database and uh, he's he says to uh to jarjo like you you weren't sent back to be cured to be really clear you were sent back to be weighed try to get the measure of uh of a person and she's like all right you know i i failed uh everything turned out the same right still ended up killing michael and things went bad and it's like yeah that's true uh but you're in a different situation the the, the key difference here is uh you tried right you you tried to change tried to be better than where you were and, and you basically just didn't fit in as saru had mentioned he, she didn't fit in as a terran anymore and he says well what i can do is i can send you back to when the prime and mirror universes were closer together so you won't end up with that uh, uh that time sickness and uh universe sickness double problem that she had uh, and michael's like, all right well i'm gonna come along and he's like no, no no michael can't come along she's right where she needs to be she needs to be here doing what she's doing now and this ends up with a, a, a very uh sad goodbye between um O and uh and michael where it's like you know you are uh, you are my philippa right you're you're not just the the mirror version of my Giorgio, you're you're definitely my Giorgio, right they've got the whole uh mother daughter thing going on and Giorgio uh, mentions this uh this person who was very very dear to her called uh san and uh as folks might recall that was the name that she was sort of screaming and when she was having those those terrible sort of flashbacks that we had seen and uh, the guardian forever says uh no this is not the guardian forever this is Giorgio giving michael uh, advice she's like look this era that we find ourselves in is more terran so you might want to consider being captain because as well as saru has done he's going off of a a, a playbook that works better in a, in a more civilized time and you end up with uh Giorgio walking through the the looking glass so to speak going through the portal mm-hmm. yeah uh, into, into a spinoff series to be named later yeah yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like it's uh, this two-parter was the backdoor um pilot as they they like to call it the, the yep. pilot within another show or mm-hmm. 
uh, for an upcoming show. Um, given that it's time the, tunnel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had speculated like, Hey, what's going to happen? Like, Oh, maybe the discovery will go back in time and Giorgio will like fall out the window or something <laughs> and be kind of like, uh, uh, what's his name? Loki. When, when he fell off of the, uh, off the, the, the sky bridge and, and ended up in a completely different area. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the Bifrost. There you go. I couldn't remember what the sky bridge is called. Um, so we go back to, uh, Saru who's updating, uh, Admiral Vance on the, uh, the Kelpian connection. Um, he is, uh, Admiral Vance it is, is worried about using Emerald chain tech on a Federation ship because that's a risk, right? It could be, you know, uh, uh like that malware. malware aspect you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh, but they, you know, they get some assurances that things will be, will be fine. Uh, book can vouch for this sort of thing. Um, book, book leaves, uh, the, the conference room and Admiral Vance is like, so what's up? <laughs> you didn't tell me about this thing immediately. Uh, you've gone through this, you know, almost thousand year journey to get here. You haven't seen a Kelpian in, in a very long time. I could totally understand if you were a little bit distracted and they're like, no, 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 totally fine. It's okay. There's no distraction here. I just didn't want to bother you with minor details until we had figured out what to report. And uh, Vance is like, you know, my, my condolences on your, your ship's lost. You know, you've lost a, a crewman who's a uh, very important to your crew uh oh i guess this is where book takes off where he goes to see michael of like oh uh only michael is returning from the planet which is is not good news if george o is not there right and uh you know they end up having this uh this discussion about that and uh i think michael goes to talk to saru if i'm not mistaken here and talks about so she's gone and michael's like yeah she's gone like like deceased no she's gone all right well she's not going to return it is uh it is as if she is dead so they they treat it that way and the, the crew does a, a toast to George O and uh, Michael talks about how this was a person who she loved very much and hated very much and sometimes both of those feelings at the same exact time and kind of seems like we end with Michael maybe getting a little bit of closure on uh, on on both Georgios right both the you know her original Philippa Giorgio as well as Mirror Universe Giorgio this is where we end the episode yeah <laughs> so yeah it kind of gets you know a little bit lost in the shuffle and I thought it was interesting because the first episode the first first part of this two-parter sort of was interesting in that it wove together the a plot and the b plot with the the a plot being what's going on with Giorgio and and Mm -hmm. that and the b plot was they're still working on the mystery of the nebula this one starts very deeply in the Terran universe and I wasn't sure that they were going to come back from that but then it does circle back to the the mystery of the nebula later in the episode to Mm -hmm. sort of continue advancing that plot it did feel mildly disjointed that way yeah yeah like it was hard to care or feel invested really even though that is the sort of central plot that's been tying together the last handful of episodes because they were sort of giving you so much of the george ow taran stuff what's going on there and then the mystery of how did she get there what is it it, it really did kind of diminish the, the the overarching plot maybe when you watch it as a sort of a back to back to back in a streaming uh when the whole series is done or the whole, whole season is done and you could sit and watch the whole thing maybe it'll flow better but it felt a little mm-hmm. disjointed in this way yeah i think once we were in the mirror universe we should have just stayed there for the duration right or, or just come Although back I to the planet to right have, yeah i mean yeah yeah they sh- yeah they should have just you know maybe that sec- the section in the middle was a bit sort of lower decks ish you know like you, you know we're really following the people in the lower decks and what the captain's doing up on the bridge is sort of a side story sort of thing right and that's how it sort of felt yeah and it really it was funny too because the the terran stuff was you know it starts out with torture 
it is about you know interrogation betrayal all these things and then they cut to like kind of a goofy scene in in the, the one we talked about with the licorice right like it felt a little incongruous and and maybe it was to try and relieve some of the tension of that like maybe that was what they were trying to do but it, it didn't i think hold together quite as well as i would have hoped for um you guys disappointed Lorca never showed up i was a little yeah. bit because they teased so much <laughs> if they had casually mentioned him i wouldn't have been yeah. disappointed but i i thought oh man they i mean heck as you guys mentioned they brought back landry and like oh they probably threw a little bit of money and say hey are, are you are you gonna be in town okay we'll, we'll go shoot something with you then you know uh yeah yeah uh, oh and beyond bringing back landry they they brought back arium did you notice this yeah yeah there was another no, no, no. thing Arium, that's yeah, the actor yeah. that the one who played her in after uh um uh, sarah Mitch did that's hannah cheeseman who was also from toronto ha- oh yeah hannah cheeseman came back and played arium without the prosthetics yeah no but but arium was uh wait a minute arium no. is the in in the terran universe arium doesn't have the the augmentation because she never suffered that accident yeah but but sarah Mitch was originally arium i know but in this iteration they had yes. her now that she's an established character as lieutenant nilsson she yes. was playing the lieutenant nilsson who meets a rather yeah. grisly fate later in the episode by getting shot in the forehead um by tilly or killy yeah but in one scene there's a close-up you can see it full on it's hannah cheeseman as arium and they say arium by name and and it's the actress who played her during her last iteration in in last season oh you mean the one that sacrifices herself? yes yeah oh that wasn't uh sarah Minich? no oh, no okay. remember they recast her they for the right. second season oh for second season right yes, they hired yes, another right. another mm-hmm. toronto actor named hannah cheeseman she came in and played her while they moved sarah over to being lieutenant nelson and then they killed off uh arium but they brought her back that actress came back and played herself but without the prosthetics which i could understand why it would be hard to sort of know i just happen to know what she looks like but um yeah so again dedication to the craft (laughs) they brought her back as the actual same actress to come back and do that i thought that was a, a nice touch um although again you'd have to know what you were looking at right like they mentioned her by name but you wouldn't necessarily look at her and be like oh that's clearly the actress who played you know like you you'd have to see a picture side by side to know that that was her actually the same actress yeah well they did the same thing with with uh the mirror when they first went to the mirror universe in season one where they brought back some of the people that they killed on the original ship right with uh michael burnham yep on the shinjo when she did her uh her bad thing right yep. so uh also you guys a little disappointed or at all disappointed that we didn't get to the mystery of who or what San is? They, no, I mean obviously they're carrying that over. They want you to they want you to feel invested, so you'll go watch the Giorgio series, and there maybe we'll get more details. Oh, is there going to be a Giorgio series? Is that why we were writing her off? Yeah, that was that was always okay, okay. it's always been in the offings before they even announced okay. Picard and all these other ones. That was one of the first things they announced was they were going to develop a uh, Section Thirty One spinoff series centered around Giorgio. What I'm really curious about now is is she going back to the era that they left in is she going to a different time period where are they going to drop her in star trek continuity to have her take that on which is a really interesting new sort of wrinkle too i think we always assumed she would be at the at the beginning where they left yeah i was just channel flipping today and 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 quantum leap came on so i watched a little bit of that episode maybe they'll do a sort of jojo and quantum leap kind of story yeah i don't know know. it'll be interesting to see (laughs) how they popping into people's lives yeah it'll be interesting to see who they could cross her over with i mean i i personally I would love it if they would cross her series into like Picard or something, right? Like, 
you know, have her show up in that time period and and she's the head of Section 31 in his future, you know? Yeah, so can we talk about some of the continuity stuff again? So I thought it was really amazing that Giorgio and, you know, the, the people who weren't Burnham could walk through the force field. Yeah. Right. And and I I always go back to the brig in the original series, which of course comes after the the Enterprise is after the Discovery, mm-hmm. right? How come Kirk and Spock couldn't walk <laughs> through those things? Yeah. Right. In either of the universes, because even even in the one with uh, with um oh what's his name uh, Cumberbatch, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 have him in the in the prison, and they have to use like a a tool to pass things through the glass, right? Mm-hmm. Or the force field or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Just I hand wave it as the Discovery is very specifically an experimental science ship. Maybe they get all the, the cool concept car stuff before anybody else. Yeah, but it's like comparing the ISS to the Apollo missions, right? But if <laughs> but know? if we're gonna start pulling threads, why the hell would there be a science vessel in the Terran universe? So I have an answer for that one, right? Because it's like the the mad the science experimentation. One. It's yeah. like we are come up yeah, with new science. exotic ways to use agonizer technology, right? Like that's their whole job: figure out new ways to kill yeah. and, and maim and torture. I, yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for for me, I, I, I mentioned this uh, in our in our chat of like, you know, I want to make sure we talk about on the show that uh there are folks that are like hey how come the crew is like cheering what is to these particular fans uh the equivalent of space hitler and for me i'm like <laughs> that that analogy doesn't really work i think mirror universe Giorgio is kind of closer to like space joseph stalin right the the brutal mm. uh, dictator head of the ussr which mm-hmm. i mean uh there was a whole bit in friends in like the 90s of like <laughs> trying to convince joey to call him of Joe Stalin, that's right. That's right. <laughs> which you would never hear as a joke is like call yourself Adolf Hitler, right? And so I think it's a less less visual reaction. I think it's probably more accurate of like less uh, less sort of cartoony in terms of being evil and more being a uh, a more gray person, right? Like let's not forget in World War II, the USSR and therefore Joseph Stalin was fighting on the side of ostensibly the good guys, mm-hmm. right? Working with mm-hmm. the Allies, um, and I think it's probably a closer thing where it wasn't as if every Everybody was necessarily hanging out with Giorgio uh, for giggles and grins. It was like kind of out of necessity given what had happened. And I, I think you can build bonds with folks, even even folks who aren't that good um, as individuals. And I think as this episode showed, it's like, well, he's definitely rough around the edges. We might argue about like, well, she kind of had to be because you show weakness, you're dead in, in her yeah. universe. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think it's quite accurate to say uh, space Hitler. How could they approve of this person? I'm like, mm, you know, I can't imagine that like Churchill and Roosevelt were all that jazzed about having dinner with Stalin, but at the very sense, uh, they could still see this person as an ally and, and mm. maybe as an individual and, and not just a, a cartoony uh, antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we touched on it a little earlier and, and you touched on it some more, Jaime. The whole point of this two-parter was to show that this is not the same person we met in the Terran universe in season one who was committed to being the person that she was, you know, this, this person who didn't see any other path and was just, you know, a, a monster. And her time with Michael and her time in the Prime Universe and her time getting to know these people clearly had changed who she was, you know, and that's, you know, it's, I guess, supposed to be yet another one of those reflections on the, you know, uh, the high-mindedness of this concept of Star Trek that, you know, they, you know, they can find a better way, they can find a peaceful way, they can find a, a way to sort of, you know, make things better, uh, you know, by their innate goodness and goodwill right yeah yeah 
a good episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think you guys are right that uh, it probably would work better if they had sort of reshuffled so that the uh, the signal information was a completely different episode and not interspersed with this two-parter. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I do think that, although we do know that there was supposed to be a Section 31-based show uh, coming up, um, given that the Guardian of Forever is involved here, it doesn't necessarily have to be, or it could be, and a completely <laughs> different time and, and other things. There's all sorts of things that they could just... Have bought themselves some flexibility by um, having the character bow out of this series in this particular way. Mm-hmm. It is a bittersweet too. You know, we were thinking about it from a character perspective. Obviously, it does change the dynamic a little bit. You know, Michelle Yeoh has been a fun character to have around. You know, she is mm-hmm. she is the truth speaker. She is the cynic. She's a Bond girl. She is. Yep. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, again, she's you know. Sixty something, and she's still beautiful and amazing actress. Um, but yeah, it's, she's really been a sort of welcome bit of cynicism in this wide-eyed, optimistic world too. She is the counter Tilly, right? Tilly is like, it's going to be great, and she's the one who's like, no, it's not. Um, you know, I guess we still have that in Tignataro, but she's certainly not quite as defeatist as as, as blunt as the Emperor was. Uh, her, you know, her not being on the show anymore is a bit of a loss. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there will be other characters that will develop and, and everything. Else else but uh you know she's been great and it is sad to see her leaving discovery uh, obviously you know the potential is she's going to go off and do this spin-off series and, and maybe that'll be great on its own but losing her from discovery after three years is uh yeah it's bittersweet let's do the let's do the i was just thinking what you should do the watch list because we are running on running short of time here but let's just jump into the watch list because i'm sure we'll we'll dive divulge into the mandalorian as part of his pick here so what's your pick today joan yeah this week we got our first look at disenchantment season three uh this is the Matt Groening created series for Netflix. It is uh, it's probably one of the darker things I guess he's done, you know, but it's obviously Simpsons and Futurama. This is uh, his sort of take on, you know, a medieval life. It focuses on um, the princess who is, you know, uh, not exactly in the perfect princess mold. Uh, we've got, you know, uh, her companions are, you know, a, a demon and an exiled um Elf, and it's funny. I, I must admit, I really like that show. The voice actors are great. The the jokes are funny, and it's really had a bit of an arc over the first two seasons. So we got a look at season three. The first trailer dropped. It's coming. Uh, they've got a, an, an announced date. It's coming in mid January, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good, good good show. And I'm definitely looking forward to digging into season three. They did leave on a bit of a what's going to happen next kind of storyline. Not quite as big a cliffhanger as season one to two but uh, I'm curious to see where the story goes and, and to dive back in with those characters. Yeah, good to know. I've, I've not delved into it yet, but I, I guess obviously I have a reason to watch it now. So. Yeah, it's worthwhile. It's it's not it's not heavy fare by any means. You know, it, it is very digestible and, you know, it is, it's humorous. It's, you know, it's got some drama, but it's definitely, you know, lots of humor mixed in there, lots of good characters and just so many good voices. You'll recognize most of the voices as you go through it and they, they're just perfect fits. So yeah, definitely worth a, a watch on Netflix. Yeah, I was a little surprised that it's more serialized than you would think. I thought it was yeah. maybe episode of the week sort of thing, more more no, futuramery. And no. um, it's actually got, uh, it, it takes most of the first season very like, oh, okay, I totally see the storyline here. Mm-hmm. And the second season carries on for that first season storyline. Uh, story yeah. What were your impressions, Jaime? Did you like it? I did. It, it took me a little bit of a while to, to get into it. And uh, funny enough, that sort of tells us like, how life was different. It was my uh, air travel 
travel show so i oh, nice. load up like you know four or five episodes and, and watch them on planes um yep. and i did the exact same thing yeah yeah it was very digestible for for that situation and then yep. i think for the second season i was like all right i'm just gonna start watching these straight through here and mm-hmm. uh follow through nice cool all right i'm gonna do my my pick first so that we can spend some time on mandalorian but uh mm-hmm. um i just happened to be flipping by youtube today and um i saw a blooper reel i think it was from season five of the next generation and it, the next generation has always seemed to me a very stiff show like uh I, they get they have funny moments in the in the movies and things like that but on the tv show picard is very or patrick stewart is very stiff and everybody's very serious and data's always very robotic and all that kind of stuff and um you know other other than uh, jonathan frakes you know and he seems to have a you know fun with things and on the show but everybody's like really sort of uptight on on the next generation enterprise right so it was in- interesting to watch bloopers i've never actually sat down and watched a blooper reel of them before but to see them you know as regular people you know switching into the character mode and, and then screwing up and laughing and whatever so it was, it's really interesting i'll put a link in the show notes here for the people to sort of check out some of these youtube clips but it's it's if you've never watched a blooper reel of the next generation it's definitely worth uh watching because it's just you know the it's they strike me as being very different off camera as they are on right so that's i don't know if you guys ever watched the blooper reels in star trek oh yeah discover or png yep you know? yeah I've, I've seen a few on on uh on youtube but the the thing i've been seeing recently and i don't know maybe it's because i watched star trek discovery or something and the the youtube algorithm says hey you want star trek content he's been promoting to me these um intakes so instead of outtakes which is usually like the blooper reel this is take the blooper reel cut and insert it into the scene oh to to hilarious <laughs> effects so it's like very serious and then like wharf cracks right. or something or it's like blah 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 yeah. blah you know and, like, and it's like it's yeah. being hella disrespectful to captain picard or something you know yeah yeah cool all right so let's dig in what do you got for us this week i mean i have no idea how to talk about this in a unspoily way so i i made an editorial decision on uh the title here to say uh, rather than take the original nine to five google article i changed it to be simply character from the mandalorian <laughs> is google search's yeah. latest ar object but so. it, the link gives it away though I mean. it does so <laughs> this is an audio only this is an audio only medium uh so for those of you who are transporting at home you would have to specifically go take a look at the the show mm. notes to avoid this so right. so this is your spoiler warnings like uh, the name here is probably not like if you've never seen the show this probably isn't too big a spoiler because you'd be like i don't know who the hell this is um I, I think once you watch like an episode or two you'll be like oh i totally know who this is now um so again spoilers 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 for that it is a rather cool uh ar experience it works um it didn't seem to work on my ipad uh, your iphone and other mileage may vary i got it to work on my phone and i could have this character like right here in my living room or right here mm. on my desk and it was really freaking cool it doesn't do a whole lot but uh it, it's definitely pretty neat and it's kind of a, a nice melding of the the mtjc and spotcast worlds here now if only your dog Poyo could experience that right i have not tried <laughs> this was new enough to me i haven't uh haven't tried this out to just like size compare i did compare him uh to like size of an ipad i guess the size of a mm. uh, a chihuahua to sort of get an indication is he bigger than a bread box <laughs> i don't have a bread box but i do have an area where we do keep bread so i could compare for that <laughs> right right all right yeah so this this uh, begs the question 
impression now that you've seen two seasons of well almost two, season and a half of of um, Mandalorian. What do you think? I think it's really good. Uh, I can see why why people really like it. The difference is you binged it right, whereas Jonathan and I have had to slowly intake it. Right. Yeah, and I feel like the the, the way you would take it in might might change your opinion on things. Um, uh, certainly, I did not get to participate in the week to week. Like, oh my god, what just happened there? Especially when they have a, a kind of cliffhanger type ending. Um, the, the way we watched it is, I was intending, as, as folks may remember from this very show, to to subscribe as I had planned on December fifteenth, so that the one month trial or uh, one month subscription would cover at least the premiere of WandaVision to decide what we wanted to do, uh, continue forward, or just say all right and wait till next time for that. Uh, I was planning to just binge this myself over uh two successive nights and uh my significant other who was not interested in the mandalorian just to be really clear this is why i had not subscribed because oh this is just a show for me you know maybe if she's not interested we don't necessarily have to get it and it was just sort of in the background for her while she was doing other stuff and i watched a few episodes and she seemed to watch and watch a little bit more until i got kind of close to the late in night i was like uh i guess we'll stop for the i guess i'll stop for the night oh you know this is on episode seven i would have finished finished in the first season and she's like what no let's finish the the season i was like what i didn't think you were paying attention and she really got into it so we finished it late that night for season one and then just went on a crazy binge cycle for season two to catch us up to the first seven episodes of the season so um, i'm kind of bummed that we didn't watch the show from the beginning so i wouldn't be spoiled for a handful of things that i happen to know about going into the seasons but uh, i was still really 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 pleased and really enjoyed how uh, it does have a through line there are, you know, major story points. There are major story arcs. Uh, there is some fan servicey stuff that w- probably would have been really cool to be like on the message boards talking about with folks. But I don't think it needs that, right? Like I didn't get any of that, and certainly it might have been enhanced by that. But it, I don't think it needs it. So I think folks can can really just go in and binge like I did, and just really enjoy seeing uh, this character, the Mandalorian, like seeing his his arc through the seasons and how he has to sort of come to grips with who he is and what he is and, and what are his his true principles that he lives by now how many hours have you watched of this like because i mean i've never really thought, sat down and thought about how long it is i didn't look at the running times but, but jonathan was right like they do vary from like 30 ish minutes to 45 to an hour so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know somewhere fewer than eight 15. or 10 episodes per per season eight, yeah so eight eight, eight? and okay. seven so far with the eighth coming out uh tomorrow as we record this so right. fewer right. than 15 hours but uh not as close to eight hours as i assumed that the two seasons would be so i guess it's probably but you, 10 to don't watch it. you have to watch it over a couple of days right yeah yeah it was oh i don't remember the start times but you know probably five or six hours one night and then probably another five mm. or six hours the next night yeah right right mm. so how much had you been spoiled on and how much was a surprise so the major merchandising character was impossible to avoid yes <laughs> so i knew that almost like from like the first or second episode is, is the the memes started hitting the internet um i think i had seen the news of uh how do we describe this in non, non-spoilery ways a classic of, of character a classic character from uh, a fairly recent series that uh, was in this show uh <laughs> i knew that a, a an even more classic character mm-hmm. was gonna reprise and was very surprised that uh a formerly canon in the extended universe canon character name was now mm-hmm. well, well it was decanonized once they said oh that that's that's all the star wars legend stuff right it's not 
canon anymore and then recanonized i'm like holy smokes this is an emotional journey here i'm like mm-hmm. this character <laughs> from uh from a book series that is apparently uh, uh gonna be a key part uh, if not this season then uh you know maybe next season yeah um, well that yeah. character actually uh was canonized in rebels oh okay yeah i've, I've not i've not watched rebels so okay so yeah so just continue uh, through from that given how it's so i did you watch clone wars most of clone I'm wars halfway through clone wars yeah, but, about yeah. halfway through the original run i've not seen the the final season either right so clone wars definitely delved into the mandalorian uh mm-hmm. world and the lore and all that stuff and there was a real sort of through line of the mandalorians through through especially the seasons two through six of, of clone wars that really gets picked up in rebels because one of the main characters on rebels is a mandalorian and then it really starts to build more and more on what you know the culture the people the war all that stuff and that stuff has carried over some of the stuff that's from that has carried over directly including the weapon that uh, moff gideon has is a huge part of the storyline in in rebels so Hmm. the significance of what that is and and what it means is really honed in on in that show so i would say if you have some time over the holidays and you happen to have say a a subscription to disney plus i would say (laughs) it is only four seasons there are some episodes of rebels that are that are as good as episodes of the mandalorian there are episodes of rebels that are as good or better frankly they're far better than the last three star wars live action movies uh it is an it is a tremendous show i'm a huge fan of that series and i and i would say if you're enjoying mandalorian there's a lot of mandalorian content in those two shows that are well worth going back and and soaking in yeah I, i didn't delve very deep into the disney plus ui but i did notice that their ui has you know you can watch clone wars but then there's also like oh do you just want to catch up on the major episodes that involve this character here's here's a, a whole line of episodes you can watch so mm. that might be a way to catch up too it, it's very similar in many respects to what we talked about that they did with the marvel cinematic universe where you can watch mm. these in release order you can watch in you know particular phase uh, phase one two or three or you can even watch in timeline order uh, so i'm definitely pretty happy about that that, that might make it easier to to catch up on certain stuff yeah yeah i mean it, it certainly it, it can be very daunting too when you're looking at you know for people who didn't have a chance to watch clone wars and rebels of course you can catch up with them on disney plus but it is realistically 10 seasons at you know 20 mm-hmm. plus episodes a pop y- you have to want to soak that much star wars in um not that it isn't it, there's certainly there are some episodes of, of clone wars in particular i find there's certainly some throwaway ones in rebels although i i think rebels is a much more complete series it's very compact right. but Clone Wars, there's definitely probably about 25% of the episodes that you can just move past unless you're a completist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did find on um, on the Disney Channel, they have a, a series called The Best of the best of Clone Wars, where they've, they've broken it down to like 20 essential, I think it's like essential mm-hmm. Clone Wars ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I tried watching those, but the problem is those is they don't, it's not like, you know, it's not like a play, playlist where you can just watch those 20. You start watching one and it plays the next one in, in series, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like stick to those 20 by themselves right so anyway, I, put, oh, I usually I put that show in the background and, and just watch it you know um i think i'm at the end of season two or maybe halfway through season three or something yeah like and there's maybe, some episodes maybe, yeah. where you know the concept or the character will drag you in and you'll just sit and watch the whole thing or a two or three part yeah. story and there are some where yeah. yeah it's just perfect background you know i'm looking at stuff on my phone i'm doing some online yeah. shopping and i'm just sort of kind of paying attention or listening to the episode there's lots of those yeah i do find that 
as the series went on. So at the beginning, Dave Filoni is, you can tell he's got an influence on it, but Mm -hmm. as he starts to rise in his influence and John Favreau actually um, is, is, is a character on Clone Wars and is um, sort of central in there. And he's very passionate about the Mandalorian. You can really see it starting to grow momentum. And then they carry that Mm -hmm. really nicely into uh, clone or from Clone Wars into rebels, which actually brings back, some of the characters from Clone Wars and sort of picks up where, what happened to them because it is set, right. you know, 20 years later. It, it sort of... Yeah, it's after after Return of the Jedi, right? Uh, Rebels is Rebels is actually the prequel to Rogue One. Rogue One. Oh, is it? Okay. So it happens okay. right before A New Hope uh, and mm. it actually sort of wraps up with, you know, uh, a teaser. And actually, if you watch Rogue One, they they you can see the ghost, the ship that they, they fly on in Rogue One, and they mention some of the characters by name and one of the characters actually makes a cameo uh, in Rogue One as well. So it, it mm. is canon. Like, this isn't a... You can... People can poo-poo it as well. It's a cartoon. It's not live action. It's not the same. Well, sty- stylistically, it though, is it similar to Clone Wars? Or? Stylistically, mm, it is a little less... It's kind of different. It's a little... Yeah. I find, especially the first few seasons of Clone Wars, they felt a little... Plastic. Well, a little puerile. <laughs> like it almost felt a little bit aimed at kids, which it probably was, right? Yeah. yeah it it yeah. was probably aimed at that. But in the same way that good fiction evolves, think of Harry Potter. Harry Potter, the first mm. book, is is more or less a kid's book. And as yeah. the course of J.K. Rowling's writing and also the uh the story evolves and the characters age, the stories become yeah. more mature and and have more heft. I find that Clone Wars, Rebels, and, and into the, the other stuff is that same evolution where it feels like there's more gravitas to rebels not to say that there isn't some goofiness there's you know there's a little bit of you know it's always stuff in there for the kids as as good star wars is right good star wars plays across a huge swath of demographics but i found that Mm -hmm. rebels had a lot more heft and it wasn't wasn't as shy the clone wars was sort of um because of when it was set it was set during the prequel era so there's only so much you can do with that it had to sort of exist between episode episodes two and three and there really was no wiggle room on that so there's only so much you can do as far as adding characters and everything else well when you get around to rebels and it happens 20 years later you know they're not not to spoil it but there are characters from you know the original trilogy there are characters from the prequel trilogy there are characters from clone wars you know it is really kind of a you know it's a bit of a star wars fans nerd dream right like it's really ties it all together and there are some you know stupendous action scenes and you know there's there's one episode uh particularly i think it's might be the culminating episode of season three is a is an hour-long episode or a two-part episode i can't remember uh and it is it's mon- like it is for me it is one of the all-time star wars episodes tv shows movies it is stellar 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 star wars storytelling hmm. so yeah I, this is rebels or clone rebels wars? yeah rebels oh, okay. yeah yeah it's funny like to see like an entire uh, thing like clone wars being made out of a throwaway line from the first movie you know yeah like it's just sort of he's just sort of explaining to Luke who his dad was and, and all that kind of stuff and, and you sort of say, you know, during the Clone Wars and, and all of a sudden that becomes an entire series and something something that fans, you know, have kind of wondered about. I mean, I like the fact that you know, I still, I, I gotta say, I still like the way that Star Wars which is now known as A New Hope um, tells the story, you know because as, as, I like to think of it as a standalone movie, right? And the fact that, you know, Obi-Wan when he's explaining to Luke about his father 
learn about the lightsaber and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it sort of had a very sort of 30s or 40s or even 50s movies feel to it, you know, mm. where things are just sort of mentioned offhand as if they're matter of fact. And there's no need to go into great detail about it. And yet, you know, here we are because we're all obsessive. We want, you know, four, seven, we want seven seasons of Clone Wars to sort of explain to us what's going on, you mm-hmm. know. So it's interesting. But, uh, but you know, I just I, th- I find it fascinating that we've, we've actually got seven se- seven seasons of, of stuff out of something that fell out of Obi-Wan's, you know, face just as a, as what do you call it, uh, where you're, where you're um, tell- describing a character um, exposition? Yeah, it's, it's just, it? it's yeah. backstory. It's a black backstory and yeah. plot exposition, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it meant nothing. I mean, like, it was just sort of something that George Lucas put in there as a, you know, and my mind, in my mind, the Clone Wars is completely different than what is being presented to me, you know, in this in this show, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I envision it's completely different. Yeah. But it does spill, like, again, if you if you watch that through line, and it, it's funny because you don't think of there being a through line, but the through line is Dave Filoni, right? Dave Filoni yeah. is the through line yeah. from, from Clone Wars to Rebels to this now in live action. And if yeah. you think of him as the through line to it, you really start to see it. And yeah. they all inform one another. And, you know, there really is a lot of good information to mine from, from Clone Wars and particularly from Rebels. I would yeah. be curious to see if we start, now that we're expanding this time period, so Mandalorian is going to exist in the same time period as, spoiler, 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 spoilers, Ahsoka and uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Those yeah. three series are meant to occur in the same time and the same uh, part of the universe. I wonder if we're going to start seeing more characters show up from Rebels because uh, there is a through line there as well. And, you know, I wonder if we're going to start to see it all sort of snowball together and and mm-hmm, this big, mm-hmm. uh, amazing Star Trek soup soup. Yeah, Ahsoka's an interesting character too because she's she's obviously geared towards the young adult, right? Yeah, I mean she but was supposed to be the, the youths, the youths out yeah, there. Yeah, right? she was meant to be the character that that young people could identify with in in Clone yeah. Wars. Hey, if I was a kid who was you know wanted to be a Jedi, this would be me, and I'd go on these adventures with Obi Wan and, and, and these are the mistakes I would make and so on. Absolutely, and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then her yeah. story continues through obviously now all through those different series too, and and that's very yeah. interesting yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. For me, personal connection is that I saw Dave Filoni speak just before he uh, Rebels rolled out. Oh, it was that in San Francisco? Yeah, I was at WWDC for 2014, and that was the year that Swift was introduced, and that was the year that Dave Filoni did the the closing keynote. And you know, they had they had stormtroopers you know, walking around, and you know, standing there guarding the stage. And he talks about his his Star Wars collection as a kid, and all of his you know pictures of him opening Star Wars stuff under the tree. And, and he tells a story. He, he tell, he, I don't know if you've seen the, if you're ready for this yet, Jaime, but there's a behind the scenes um, making of Mandalorian. And in one of the episodes, Dave Filoni tells the same story he told us back then was about his first meetings with George Lucas, where a woman called him on the phone and said, we, you know, he was working with the, he was in the same uh, animation studio with the people who did SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants, right? And so when somebody called him and said, you know, George Lucas wants to meet you, he's like, yeah, right. George Lucas wants to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he's like, who, who is this, Joe? Did you? Who? And he's he's like the whole time he's like you know putting this woman off, thinking you know really. So really, who's you know what's going on? And he actually hangs up, and she calls him back, and and he goes, and it finally it dawns on him that George Lucas really does want to meet me. You know, he's like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> I'm making a Jedi costume in my garage right now, and he's thinking like that's the last thing you should say. <laughs> <laughs> so Jaime, what's next? You you've you've taken the dive. You're into Mandalorian now you've got this this world
held in front of you for the next uh, mm-hmm. 29 Have days. Have you watched The Black Hole yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I watched on Disney+. Rewatch. Um, yeah, I think uh, as a household, we'll end up probably watching Mulan, almost certainly watching... Um, Hamilton, and then from there to hmm. to buy my time until One Division comes out. I probably will end up watching uh, Clone Wars. I'll I'll figure out where where I stopped on Netflix, more or less, and yeah. then start watching from there. I did watch the, the Computer War Ten issues the other day. Ooh, yeah, I haven't seen that since I was. I don't think I've ever really sat down and watched the whole thing. It's Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah, yeah. It's a really really campy movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. There's they've put up a lot of content that's nostalgic, but I think wow, that will not hold up well well it's funny though because you know and, and we complain about this the the you know the the menu that you get when you go to prime or you go to um netflix or you go to you know to disney is and even apple to a certain extent you get in there and you, you're sort of presented with things i wonder too if if the stuff i see in netflix are different is different than the stuff you see on netflix because you were because of my choices versus yours oh, I'm, right? I'm sure it is because i my wife and i sit down and watch stuff sometimes we're watching things on my file and sometimes it's hers and I see yeah. the recommended list it's completely different right yeah so so what I've discovered is that if there's a movie I want to see, I'm interested in seeing I go into the search panel I'll start with Netflix and if it's not there I'll go over to Prime if it's not there I'll go to Disney and I'll search for for this particular movie and then I'll realize oh I can't get it whatever but but because the problem is with this this the way the menu works is it just doesn't it doesn't work for me like you know the stuff that I go to Netflix and, I, and I'll flip through all the new stuff that's in the you know the new stuff or the trending stuff or whatever i might find one show that i'll want to stop and watch like very you know i never i never go in there and go unless it's something like the queen the queen's gambit or something that we know we've talked about on the show and or something that you know is is like anything space related i generally stop and watch that stuff mm-hmm. right but um but and sometimes i cringe <laughs> but uh you know i find that the search on these these apps is just so difficult right so yeah one thing i um, will say is the, the apple t TV iPhone app. If oh, yeah. you link that to your other streaming services, which you can, so you can put in your streaming services like uh, Netflix yeah, and I, Amazon. Yeah, Apple TV. I do that. I do that on my on my thing. The only one I can't get in there is Netflix for some reason. So but when anyways. you do that, if you put that all that stuff in as a, a link to your Apple TV phone app, yeah, and then you do yeah. a search, it'll tell you all the places you can watch it, including right. iTunes. Right. And I, right. I find yeah, that and very if you useful. Click on it'll it, it, on on the apple tv if you if you click on the the thing like if it's on disney it'll flip over to the disney yeah. app or if it's on yeah or prime it'll flip over to the prime app which is really nice yeah, yeah that's like very that. convenient I, I like that feature seamless yeah yeah, yeah. let's see you do that on your roku Jaime. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a decent experience. I haven't seen what it's like on on Apple TV. I imagine it looks roughly the same, but some of the fit and finish. Do you not own an Apple TV? Right. What's that? Do you not own an Apple TV? I do not. Um, <gasps> fans of MDJC will recall that I never went down the Apple TV route because at the time, yeah, Amazon and Apple were fighting. So being a Prime household, we just couldn't deal with not having the free Prime Video stuff. Now, mm. subsequent to that, they have uh, kissed and made up, very similar to HBO Max and. So I think you could watch just about anything you wanted on darn near any streaming device. So it's it's a it's a whole new what world. What was I now. saw the other day? Some Apple TV 
maybe's coming to something else too. Um, we talked about it's coming to the, the Xbox system. It's coming to. It's already on the PlayStation. I saw it on something else the other day. Um, Apple TV. It's, it's getting out there. Oh, it's coming. It Windows. To, maybe? It's coming to Chromecast. Chromecast. But is it Windows? Yeah. Maybe that's coming to. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, they, they announced the other day sure. that it's coming to Chromecast. It hadn't been on Chromecast before. Right. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that you know this is this is sort of the the move that Apple made to get the iPhone and the iPod out there was they 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 wrote a version of iTunes for Windows and that opened up the whole world to them right mm. yeah that's how we as we ended up with podcasting because you know it became a popular medium right yep. well depending on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we got more listeners this last episode I don't know what happened but yeah they just love us that's what it is well I I tried listing us on Amazon Music and I don't know if that worked or didn't work or whatever but yeah but I had I had put the show in before but I tried again last week and we we seem to double our audience cool. which is nice yeah thanks for listening folks. yeah we're happy to have you yeah and speaking on that note there jonathan if people want to get in touch with you how would they find you you can find me on twitter and instagram as at jpk news and hi if people want to get in touch with you i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair all right my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine is where you'll find me until next time we'll see you in the future bye 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 you've been listening to the spotcast podcast if you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Best Gracie yeah. Allen. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. It's funny when Quinn says, when they say, you know, say goodbye, Grandpa. She says goodbye, Grandpa. I say goodbye, Grandpa. To her, she looks at me. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she just smiles. Go, okay. He's losing the game, Grandma. Thinks, Grandpa's weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. You be the weird Grandpa. I'll be the weird, weird Uncle. It'll all work out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, three Bob. How many more sleeps to go to Christmas? It is a week from, well, technically for us, it's a week from today because it's Friday already. But yeah, a week from Friday. So. I actually got to open up Pi Day Countdown. I posted the other day that it was 17 days left in Pi Day Countdown or Pi Day till, till uh, the end of the year. Yeah, weird. Where's Pi Day Countdown? Pi Day Countdown. There we go. Okay, let's put in Happy Pi Day. No, let's put in, let's put in the end of the year. Let's go to more dates. What do we want? New Year's so Eve? So for me, granted, Happy I'm in a New different Year's. time zone. It says seven days, three hours hours on the countdown widget that i'm using yeah yeah i got 13 days what <laughs> are you saying to christmas or or to new year's day new year's day is 14 uh, days new three year's hours. day and I'm, I'm i want to get 2020 over oh with, there you right? go yeah, so. sorry oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah as we record on friday 8, 18th it's now 13 hours 23 13 days 23 hours until uh 2020 is done it comes soon enough but let's have some christmas okay. first yeah but you know i'm just gonna do a quick screenshot post this on twitter <laughs>
Jaime, if you go to Twitter right now, there's a, a post of a, a what do you call it, a, a USDZ, a USDZ um, mm -hmm. object of C3PO. You can have full size C3PO in your living room right now. <laughs> this is on Twitter. Like, <laughs> where on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter. Here, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll comment you. I'll, I'll mention you. I'll, I'll, I'll let me retweet this with your name on it. So, uh, Dev with the hair. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> just for you. And the silence is he. <laughs> what? It's thinking about it. Twitter's thinking about it. This website is thinking about it. Twitter and everything else is fast. This website's a little slow. Oh, Maybe they're yeah. getting pummeled with everybody sharing it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is our, why is our bill going up so fast? Yeah, yeah. The DOS attack from Star Wars fans. Ooh, let's see this. Okay, show me. It's still loading the thing. Wow. Huh. Am I gonna be able to zoom in and and see the actors zits through the ice slits or what's? I don't know. It's right up your alley though. Yeah, this is definitely gonna be cool if I can get it to load. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe they're having issues right now again with everybody trying to get down the same asset at the same time. Maybe it could be. Oh, there we go. It's finally loading. Ooh, look at that. Hey, that's really neat. They have like a full size C3PO in your living room. I wouldn't say he's full size. He ended up kind of zoomed. Maybe I accidentally made him smaller. Hmm. Now he's too big. Now he's like Doctor Manhattan in my room. I gotta, I gotta reload this baby. <laughs> Just a leg in your room. Yeah. <laughs> As he goes through the ceiling. <laughs> right foot. Yeah, but this is this I is pretty... exhibit once. Of, yeah. I saw the Star Wars exhibit in Seattle of all places, and uh, they had the original C3PO costume there. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to turn into a pumpkin soon. So, one o'clock. Yeah. <sighs> I only have uh, three more days of work left Woo! in the year of like full-time work, that is. Yeah. We've got one more day, and that one day involves half a day, which is the online Microsoft Teams Christmas party. So that ought to be a good time. That's tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow afternoon. Oh, okay. And then you're done? You're off on Monday? Uh, Yep. Yeah. Tomorrow's my last day, and cool. then I'm off for 16 glorious days in a row. All right. 15? 16. Which would be even better if my wife wasn't working for seven consecutive days starting on Saturday. Uh, including Christmas right. Day. <laughs> Right, right. But, yeah, I don't know how I haven't counted how many how many days I have, but I'm taking five days of vacation. But I guess it's there's some extra weekends and stuff in there too. Yeah, right? yeah. I oh yeah, I guess because you're counting Saturday and Sunday too, right? Yep. You're 16. Yep. Alrighty, folks. Talk to you later. Right, take it easy, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Enjoy your CCPO. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.